Welcome, one and all, to the episode of Hand of Pod that we have been waiting to record for 12 years. When we started this podcast, it was only 24 years since Argentina had last won the World Cup. True. Um, and now we've been around for a third of the wait, and it's finally happened. Episode 447. We can begin by saying Argentina, campeón del mundo. Salud. 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 Toasting it with some, not French, Argentine fizzy wine, uh, which Dan decided to surprise us with. So cheers for that, though. Fizzy wine, cheers. I've been waiting 12 years in my fridge and it can finally come out. (laughs) That's horrible. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined by English Dan. Hello. In his living room, as usual. Uh, Santi. Hi, guys. Julian. Hi, always a pleasure. Two real-life Argentines who are even happier than the rest of us. <laughs> and another adopted Argentine, Chris Martin. Not that one. Hey there. We're not going to break into absolutely awful songs in inexplicably packed out stadiums, don't worry. Apologies to any Coldplay fans listening. But, um, I have a couple of thoughts with which to be... Actually, I have three thoughts with which to uh, begin the podcast. And then we'll get rolling as normal. The first one is that... It is a little bit frustrating that this episode has to be the one that's at the end of this particular World Cup. Um, I'm going to be very tempted to try and get to a match or two, try and stay with some friends at the next one in 2026. Because, well, first of all, I'm sure that you know the the bidding process for 2026 was 100% above mm. board oh, um, and far less corrupt. Um, and secondly, I feel like I should try and get to a World Cup at some point before like North Korea 2030 or Saudi Arabia 2034 kick in or anything. Um, so, you know, just that, as I said last time, it feels like we have to acknowledge this, even though it's not the main subject. Uh, second, we all knew, we have all known, everybody sitting around this table anyway has known for his whole career that, and for everybody really, for the whole history of football, that it's ridiculous to judge a player based on, if they're lucky, seven matches once every four years. But Lionel Messi himself was the most prominent of all of the people mm. who was under the impression that Lionel Messi needed to win a World Cup mm. with Argentina in order to have really completed his career. And now he's got it. And my third thought is, if you're an opposing team and you go into a penalty shootout and the opposing goalkeeper is Emiliano Martinez... You can have the best penalty takers in the world. I'm very glad that you've spent all that time sharpening your Bowie knife, but nobody told you that this isn't a knife fight. It's nuclear war. That's it. Gents, congratulations. Julian, Santi, more than anything. Obviously, Dan and Noel Mm -hmm. and Anna as well. Ah, Congratulations to you, too. Thank you. I thought they were Argentinians. I think we can share in this, yeah. We've we've given it to this national team. We're Argentine if you want to. I wrote my first blog post. Yeah. How long do you have to live in Argentina to become an Argentine now? Uh, what, what, how do we put the... I mean, oh, by law, three years. Five years? Three years. Okay, yeah. three years. So. Well, I think Argentine... Yeah, I think Argentine now. Being Argentine more, it's a state of mind. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> not where sure. you're born, it's not I where mean, you... Look, look at Bangladesh, know, for example. It's, it's, it's a, a, all the Bengali Bangladeshi people. As the song goes, it's a feeling. Exactly. It's a way of life. But I think it's interesting, just go back to your second point, I believe. Um... Because this World Cup final really did show just how thin the margins are, right? Yeah. Uh, Messi was 
As if we didn't already know it for And Emiliano Martinez boot, away from being frustrated again and being tagged once again as a failure, as a big game choker, mm-hmm. as a World Cup choker. Despite scoring twice. Despite scoring twice uh, and being very involved in, in the third goal. Uh, but it all just comes down to those moments. Um, that ball, that final shot against Emiliano Martinez could have gone anywhere. Just hit his giant leg, bounced out. And that, that was the difference between victory and defeat because yeah. I think we all knew that once the shootout came. Especially since France absolutely rightly had subbed off all of their best potential te- penalty takers to have a chance of even getting back into the match. Griezmann, Giroud, Dembélé, these guys, you know, think would have the mentality, the, the big game experience to come through. Um, so I was, I was pretty chill when it came to the penalties, um, but that last chance in extra time. I, oh my God, if that's the difference between, you know, success, glory, mm-hmm. eternal uh, legacy and failure. It would have been so, so harsh. And bearing in mind that Argentina allowed something ridiculous like 10 shots on target over the entire duration of the Mm. tournament and yet still somehow managed to concede seven goals, probably the moment that on its own justified the fact that he won the Golden Glove somehow. (laughs) Yeah, that was an objective and cold analysis. He didn't just win it though. However great he was in the penalty shoot. He didn't just win that Golden Glove though. He he made love to that Golden Glove. I I feel like those those prizes, I think from from this World Cup at least, they were only given to the players who were there to receive them. It seems so, yeah. They decided (laughs) uh, whoever wins is going to get three of the awards, whoever... I mean, as good as Enzo Fernandez was, and I think he was really, really good, was he better than someone like, uh, I mean, I don't want to, you know, caress your egos, but Jude Bellingham, for example, for the five games he played. Or even Julian Alvarez. Yeah. Enzo? Yeah. Yeah. Be- Bellingham, I thought, was decent in the round of 16 match. Yeah, Bellingham. Which is the one everyone was raving Great one. The rest of the time, I mean, I don't know. It, it Saka, might be, maybe? He, he, he mm. might be unlucky. Every time oh. I've seen him, I think he's clearly not. Or even Bardio. Just go Bardio. That was your player. Yeah, but you were saying Bardio, yeah, but then that, that game against Argentina where Messi skinned him at yeah, three times. Yeah, but he did, he did everything one. right. <laughs> you can't give <laughs> yeah, it to Guardiola but, after that. Look, so. he yeah, did yeah. everything he had to do as a centre back to try and defend Messi. He did. Ev- he, he went through every step you had to take. He was oh, still okay. facing Messi. If. If being, with him. if being humiliated by Lionel Messi is like uh, something that can't have happened to you in order for you to be considered a decent footballer, yeah. no, but that's not what I'm saying. And maybe saying. it's true that Messi mm. just hasn't been playing against decent footballers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, <laughs> you, you had a lot of better, better options. For example, I don't know Libakovic and uh, Bono for, for goalkeeper of the tournament. Uh, yeah, but you can also hang your hat and two penalty shootouts against. Netherlands, he was oh, the man of the match. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's that's yeah, really and the margin that between against Squall against Australia. That's the margin between being a champion and not being a champion. Yeah, and that save save against Colomani, like you said. I mm. mean that 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 was quite remarkable. I mean, uh, against Australia, he had another great save against Colin Yeah. So I mean, even when you talk about that save, with that specific save, that moment, I mean. I feel like uh, I'm probably going to hyperbole, but I feel like when we look back into it, can we just take it as one of the most important things in not just Argentine football in history, but just football as a whole? Yeah. Work out oh, football. yeah, absolutely. Just I put myself through the torture of uh, rewatching the extra time and penalties today. <laughs> 
and not only is there that save in the final moments, but I completely forgot about this. There's a cross about two minutes before oh, yeah. Mbappe. And, oh, and, yeah. and I, I watch a lot right. of Colin Mwani. So and, and, and also a shot by Mbappe in the in the at the ending of you know regular regular mm. time as well, which he saves in on two attempts. Oh, Could yeah. have been about six. Oh, six. the end of regular time was torture. The last five ten minutes after they got the equaliser, yeah, because the the players were rushed. Just looked like they were done. Now they were spent. Not rattled, just without gas. I mean, they'd only made one sub. France had made about six. Uh, yeah. all speedy players, and they were just they running Argentina off the park. They ended up making seven, which was yeah, because uh, Romeo was uh, concussion. The concussion, concussion yeah. Yeah. Bit strange, but I mean, if you were only about six, well, I mean, FIFA. That was probably one of the chapeau to them. You want an extra sub. Get someone cook up. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and also, I feel, I feel <laughs> like... That's why I mean, football could never have it, because... I mean, they like, never come off. Yeah, they never yeah. accept it. I mean, and I feel Dio like Martinez even, clearly even has a couple of historic concussions there. <laughs> that's the only way sure. to explain it. I mean, and even when, when it comes to, you know, the subject of changes, mm -hmm. uh, Scaloni's only change, I also thought it was probably a little bit ill-advised, because you lost, I mean, your only attacking threat, your most uh, efficient attacking threat, I feel like you should probably have sent someone in who was equally as uh, adventurous at taking on defenders yeah. instead of Di Maria. But the thing is that the, the most, the closest profile to Di Maria in order to do that was Thiago Armada. And you won't send Thiago Armada in as your first substitution in a final of the it World It would Cup. be a funny one, yeah, especially when you're 2-0 you're up. It did seem that, like, that substitution was almost decided from, from before the kickoff, right? He said yeah, to Di Maria, much. look, Go win us the game. If we've got a lead and, and you're feeling it, we'll take you off on the hour. Yeah. You're probably not there to go in ah, 90 minutes. The, the thing is, Acuna was quietly ineffectual. Like, I feel like he didn't have his like, best game. Like, because no. he he's more of a left back now. Um, Di Maria you know, started as a midfielder, but I think at this level, he is a left back rather than a. Yeah, but he also it feels like he's a very much an old school left back. That the, the kind that will always, always go to the byline and try mm. to cross, which is something that this Argentina team does not, you know, need. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But it almost came off. I mean, let's be honest. The two goals were complete freaks almost, yeah. you know. Penalty out of nowhere just because Nicolas Artemendi finally remembered. <laughs> He's he was, Nicolas he is Artemendi. He was also the one who missed on the Colo, Colomoni. Uh, yes, yes, he was, yeah. I mean, he kept it up for six, uh, 6.9 games uh, of the seven. We can't go Yeah, I mean, he, he, also, he also almost cost, a goal, cost us a goal in Australia as well, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, taking into account Otamendi, it's yeah, about it's, as much as you could expect. It's, it's, a, big was it's, was it's a big merit for him. Yes. Yeah. The yes. thing with Di Maria was, now, it was obvious he wasn't ready to go 90 minutes. But no, then again, he was taken off when he was being uh, probably his... He was player on the pitch. Yeah. Mm. He was the best player on the pitch. Best player on the pitch. So, Simple why that. don't risk just go out, ruin yourself? Mm. So, what do you have to lose? It's your last match. Why take him out? so much game to go and he was still clearly causing problems so let him in yeah. and there were other people on the pitch who and looked like they were feeling it more the ball was yeah for done. sure was Julian done. Alvarez was done I have no problems again with that substitution mm. but it probably shouldn't be the first one considering no. how Di Maria was or the last one of uh, yeah. regular time maybe more more pertinently but you know let's Let's not make yeah, too yeah. much. Argentina, a world champion. Yeah, it feel, feels like uh, this is not exactly the right time to you know analyze the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was a great game, and, yeah. and that 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 substitution made possible the the French run because uh, had Di Maria kept on playing, I'm, I'm 
Every time they cross the the half the pitch, they 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 were. I mean, I still feel like maybe if you if you uh, substituted Di Maria with someone who had the same you know um, will to try and take on defenders constantly, just as he did, even if it was someone like Almada, even if it was someone like Dybala playing out of position, maybe Argentina could have you know kept attacking and therefore France would not see as much of the ball as they did and I therefore wouldn't have had as many chances as they did in those, in those final few minutes. I, I tend to think Scaloni had at least in the back of his mind uh, the game against Netherlands and his three substitutions when he mm. very clearly thought the game was so out of reach for the for yeah, Luis yeah. Van Gaal team and they came back so he was on the one hand sure that he had taken Maria off, on the other hand he wanted, didn't want to make a lot of changes because with that, that in mind. He waited all the way to the third goal against Croatia in the last <laughs> 10 minutes to bring in on subs just to make them play. Mm. He admitted that much. So yeah. They clearly spotted though that like Kunde was the weak link maybe for France to exploit, which is why they put Di Maria exactly. on the left. Exactly. And which then was I an think interesting in, call as well. Yeah, but I think then put, I, I actually don't think the sub of putting a Kunde on was a terrible plan because I think it was just another option to kind of rattle oh. Kunde. Yeah. And you know Kunde, he can really like get in a player's face. He must be a Yeah, but he doesn't take on defenders. He's, that's not him. It just but goes it, to the byline process. But it just goes, mm. it goes back to the, the, thin, the, the, the thinnest of margins yeah. because mm. Argentina had also had a lot of good fortune throughout the tournament, but it also had bad fortune that as soon as Scaloni made a, a, a change, <laughs> the position scored. Mm-hmm. By merit from them or by a blunder from the from the engineers, but oh, yeah, as, it, as, as I said a minute ago, ten shots on target and you can see yeah. seven goals. And of those, Martinez maybe could have done better for the first Dutch one, possibly if you're being a bit harsh. But the others, it's not like it was to blame. So as a manager, you want to you want to affect game state with your with your substitutions. But Scaloni never had the chance to do it because his substitutions mm-hmm. came on after 60, 70 minutes of some type of game. And the moment they stepped on the pitch, the game changed completely. And he probably, (laughs) had he knew knew that, he wouldn't have made that change. Actually, if you remember, if you remember in the Australia game, Divada was supposed to be uh, sent sent in. But just as he was, you know, finishing his warm up and he was right there to be, to be substituted into the, into the pitch, the consolation goal came. And that meant that Divara had to, you know, would not uh, get any minutes, which actually speaks about how Scaloni considers Divara at this point. I mean, someone who can only, you know, get on to get into the pitch when the game is already well, kind of settled. I I can't remember whether I sent this to to you lot on the WhatsApp group or not, but when Divara got on against Croatia, I think I said for all of the talk of during the Netherlands match, sending Paolo Divara on as a late sub is a far bigger shit housing move. Yeah, sure. Because what's he done? Even even when he was sent on on against in in the final, it was at the 120th minute. Mm -hmm. It was only to shoot a penalty, and he almost missed. Yeah, he almost missed. I (laughs) rewatched those penalties today. Only three out of four (laughs) of them. Uh, no, sorry, three out of four of them do not make you feel comfortable at all. Right. Shoot Especially Messi's. Oh, I must admit, Messi. I haven't watched almost any of them. No. Uh, my head was pinned against that I thought Paredes was on the brink of sliding, but yeah. he's, he's planted for the ball. Actually, a half decent. I mean, Martinez would have saved three out of those four penalties. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Montiel's was the only actual <laughs> probably good one, I would say. Um, I feel like Messi, he wouldn't even have to die to, to save Messi. He would just pick the ball up. Right there. 
Just yes. lucky Yoris was in goal, who's yeah. probably the worst yeah. penalty saver of any decent, uh, you know, top-level yeah. goalkeeper. My I'm sister was having a nervous breakdown for the penalty shootout. I said, uh, don't worry, Yoris is, is trash. You don't have to worry, we got the best one. <laughs> we've got Martinez, we've got Emi, yeah, yeah. it's fine. Um, There's a rule change coming uh, for Martinez and this. Uh, mm. Some stricter uh, monitoring of that. Yeah, they're going to do something about this penalty shootout thing. It's Rough such an advantage. The Netherlands as well, with Dumfries getting sent off. Yeah. Like, they're gonna, it's such an advantage. They're going to crack down on it. Like. Yeah, the, the thing is that the referees also, you know, never quite did anything when he was like kicking balls away mm. and... Uh, I mean, they were pretty lenient towards him as well. I mean, that was the the story of this World Cup, right? Very, very lenient. What I found, um, I don't know what you guys thought of the refereeing in general, but I found it quite irritating. I thought, because uh, Laos at first seemed a bit of an anomaly, but I saw in the final as well, just constant, constant whistling for... Really, nothing fouls. Absolutely. Yeah, but I feel like really few yellow the, cards as well. Maybe, maybe like, the, sm- the, the smaller like calls, basketball kind of. Maybe the small calls would have been a little bit more annoying. But I feel like during the big times, like the big calls, uh, Marcinek had to make, they were spot on. In the big calls, yeah, but I felt, for example, just two rounds dive. I feel like I was, a I was referee would have uh, would have actually given a penalty to two rounds after mm-hmm. his dive. But he saw it. He was yeah. right there. I am absolutely one hundred percent agree. The the refereeing was. Uh, at, for my liking, mm. far too strict. They just were too calling. fussy. I think the word is just yeah, fussy. I'd say fussy yeah. because yeah, I mean, I'd, and I'd through agree. the tournament, not just the Argentina games or anything, just never I, really let the game develop. I would agree with Santi about about the dive on Turam, mm. and I mean, while obviously VAR makes it much more likely that those calls are going to be made correctly in the end, how on earth he saw that in real time mm. and in like a fraction of a second yeah. immediately just yeah. went, no, I'm not buying that, mate. Get up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. The brass balls to make that call on your own in a World Cup final. In the last few minutes of the World Cup final as well. I think, uh, yeah, uh, on your point, the English referees made a, a, a huge difference. The, that game, uh, Croatia against Brazil, mm. who was Michael Oliver, Michael Oliver was the, the ref. He had every single player come up, come up, mm. play on, play on. And it was a far more physical game that Brazil would have preferred against Croatia. I don't think Croatia wins with another referee that game. Mm-hmm. Having the, the type of physical game they had against the Brazilians. Right, if you're going to have 15, 20 free kicks in and around your own penalty area, that's not a good way to, to win a, uh, yeah. a World Cup match. It's worth well, saying that. Michael Oliver's one yeah. of the least annoying referees in the tournament. You've got some problems. I, I mean, you also had a representing the British, so there would have been a lot of I had my hopes oh, up yeah, he, yeah. Would, he would have been the, the final. The, Referee, yeah, actually, what I'm relating, but apparently, he was not in the running. He was, uh, he was I, I don't think Argentina would have to say, yeah, but <laughs> like uh, an English referee, and I was rooting for him. You're France, you, France yeah. wouldn't eat. Look, we France wouldn't eat. He was a big, we had a Brazilian yeah. referee in the 86 final. You think yeah. they didn't? You think they wouldn't? Yeah, I think Brazilian I think I read that it was actually Anthony Taylor who was in the running for the final. Yeah, that would have been a lot worse, actually. Hmm. I feel yeah. like it's a much yeah, worse referee. Than, but was, yeah. There's there's a, a certain style from the English referees, uh, mostly that they they let the game have mm. some type of physicality. Here was mm. just like that, especially with the marquee players, Messi, mm. Neymar. Uh, Neymar. Uh, that's why I think Neymar got uh, the rough end of the stick with uh, with Michael Oliver against Croatia. Was just gonna let yeah. him kick him. Yeah. 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 Watch, watch his shirts, how Neymar's shirts ended up in each match. He was, he's always tumbling down the pitch. Mm. But Messi yesterday, on a 
lousy pitch. As soon as someone got really nearly close to him, the only one that wasn't called was that common ch uh, challenge that got the... That led to the goal, right? Yeah, that yeah, led to the goal. Which wasn't a foul, let's be honest. I mean, we were all calling that. It was a poor, it was a poor, you know... Um, I'm, it was a poor decision yeah. from Messi to... I'm not saying it wasn't. It wasn't a foul. It was never a foul. But at some games on this World Cup, it yeah. was called a foul. It would have been good if it was given. Just given. I mean, <laughs> it would have been given a foul for, yeah. for that. And, and then not good. given it to someone else. And, and we would have yeah. paraded him through the streets of Buenos Aires. That's our new hero. Jeez. No, he would, have, he would have given a yellow card or two or three or four. Oh, it would have been unwatchable, the final. <laughs> Absolutely unwatchable. Uh, Except in the refereeing on pure footballing terms, mm -hmm. was it the best World Cup? I did not watch enough of it to be able to give an opinion because I was staying away from oh, a lot no. of the matches. I enjoyed this World Cup, I, I, I must admit. Um, I mean, much more than Russia. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's always hard to say because you know, I think we've got an inherent bias, of course, if, yeah, Bruce, sure. if Argentina or in our cases, Argentina and England go a long way, uh, we're going to enjoy it a bit more. Especially, you know, I'm yeah, going to admit, if Argentina go further than England, I'm going to enjoy the World Cup more because I'm here, you get caught up in all of the fervour. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm fine whoever goes further, but I was just, I, I breathed a small sigh of relief when England went out because England-Argentina was my nightmare. Yes, final. that would have been. Yeah, that was as as, as I said hard. on the WhatsApp group, it would have been really? like trying why? to decide between my kids. You no, I genuinely wouldn't have, have if if it had been in four years' time and if Messi wasn't involved, <laughs> then I would have probably just leaned towards England. But between Messi being involved, between having lived most of my adult life in Argentina and really being an Argentina supporter, yeah. but never seen I just, England I win the World Cup. And, and, and the, yeah, and the other thing is that a there are literally members of the England squad who I wouldn't recognise if they walked in here right now <laughs> and introduced the majority, themselves, I think, in my and case. introduced themselves to me by name because there are probably members of the world of the England World Cup squad whose names I don't know mm. uh, because I just I don't pay that much attention to European football. Okay, let me United and B when you've got like a lot of players, like Jack Grealish. Um, you know, like uh, Man City players, Liverpool players, and stuff. I, I, find, it, <laughs> I find it more difficult. I find it more Look. difficult to, to want them to do well. Like on some level, I can, but there are one or two. Look. You know, they play for your opponents, and also they. Sam, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, me and a group of friends uh, made a promise that if we won the World Cup, we would uh, buy one of uh, the shirts from our clubs, and then we would print it with the name and the number of a player who is mostly identified with their <laughs> opposing team. So now, I, for example, I'm going to get an independent shirt with the number 22 and Lautaro Martinez. <laughs> so that's, that's how I feel about that kind of stuff. Would you do the same if England won the World Cup? That's my question. Would you do the same? I, I will tell you, if, if, it had been, if the final had been England-Croatia, I don't think I would have been as nervous as I was yesterday. Watching it seriously? Um, no, absolutely not. I always think I'm more of an Argentina fan who wishes England well at this point mm. in my life. Wow. <laughs> I've been away for so long. And, and a lot of it. I mean, yes, yeah. I'm not the opposite, but with the I other mean, countries. So like, I'm an England would, fan yeah, yeah. who wants so, Argentina yeah. to do really well. So, yeah. I mean, that that was part of the, my question. That some of those random matches we didn't have no rooting interest whatsoever were gripping. I mean, mm. yeah. some of them. The least. whole Morocco story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Morocco story. Even Australia until like, they got Australia. Up to Australia. Yeah. South, Australia. South Australia to get into the last Japan. 16. Japan. Japan. The whole, yeah, the whole yeah. Japan. 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 Japan.
Yeah, those, those four minutes in which Japan and Costa Rica are, were going through. Mm. Japan, Costa Rica. <laughs> uh, yeah. Belgium going out in the first round. Hazard, Germany. Flopping. Uruguay. Germany going out. Denmark. Were all, no, everyone were. was pitting them as the one team that could actually do a great run. Mm. And I we were poor. Uh, every World Cup has kind of those, those great matches, especially when there are more of them. Yeah. But this World Cup... Particularly, I yeah. thought that as, as it went on, the, the matches, at least in, in, in suspense and, and mm. not pure football in quality, but yeah. and yeah, there was still such, such quality. I and almost all the matches, even the knockouts, which generally in a World Cup, are, you know, you enjoy the group stage and you tolerate the knockouts, but it, you get so many nil nils, one all. Yeah, you just look at the They're final. all so open. Like, um, yeah, the finals are perfect. Um, the perfect uh, example, just really open World Cup, lots of really, goals, lots of attacking play. Really both the semi-finals were the boring the matches, but the quarter-finals were mm. the the semi, the semi between France and Morocco, it had its moments, because yeah. Yeah, Morocco yeah, was, did run them close. They all went for it. They absolutely went for it. But I think the quality was, was pro- as I said, I didn't watch as much of it as I normally would have done for a different World Cup. But the quality was probably helped by the fact Funnily enough, by the enormous amounts of corruption that led to it being played in Quetta, because that's sure. mm. play it in the middle of the season. The players have only played half a season. Okay, they've not had the month off, so they maybe yeah, but they were all they're not quite as rested. But they're much fresher and they've not played the hot the whole long. European and there wasn't any travel. The, 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 yeah, the European. The full tournament was travel two hours oh, to the same, an hour and a half, forty five minutes. That that has to play a role. I mean, I, I still feel like. Uh, I mean, even if we won this World Cup, when we have to, you know, take myself out of the fact that we won the World Cup, and consider, you know, the general feeling about it, I still feel like when you when you consider how much, you know, color and how how the stance and the whole uh, aura around the twenty fourteen World Cup, for example, um, is compared to the nothingness of Qatar in that sense, mm. you know, the, the amount, the, the, the fan travel, the fact that you, you had so many games with empty sections. I'm watching, watching on TV and you could, I mean, if, if you watch, if you put the television on and you closed your eyes, you could tell which matches were the ones involving Argentina and, and more, which ones were involving any yeah. of the other, yeah, pretty much, yeah, any sure. of the other teams because <laughs> the, the one where you could hear the crowd. It was stuck. It was, it was really stuck. <laughs> yeah, I think there was one block of French fans there mm. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> they, they said, I think somebody, I can't remember where I read it, but uh, before kick-off yesterday said it was like 80% Argentina. And I think that's conservative, to be well, honest. Well, actually, uh, Virgil van Dijk, um, Said that he missed the penalty because there were eighty thousand Argentines <laughs> cheering against him. So um. no, nothing to do with Thibaut Martinez. Or his own shit penalty. Yeah. No, no, but he so actually did did had a great penalty. Was, oh yeah, that one was, was good. That was. So what we're saying is, twenty thirty has to be in November, December again, and it has to be in Saudi Arabia. No, in, I'm thinking in Uruguay. Yes. Ah, it has to be in Saudi Arabia. It's, it's, it's got to, be, has to be even more rampant. It's got know. to be. It's got to be the centenary. It's got to be Uruguay. We've proved that a, a World Cup in a country of about three million people is possible. Seven stadiums in Montevideo, one in Canelones, and it's sorted. <laughs> I was thinking. Well, Salvador probably deserves the ground as well. It's the second biggest. That's a bit far. Um, <laughs> I'll, keep it, I'll keep it closer. Maybe Punta del Este. But yeah, about two hours down the road. Maybe. Um, but yeah, it's it's doable. All FIFA need to do is. Build several massive stadiums in Europe. Yeah, that's probably won't be used. Have a lot of infrastructure that's not going to be used because no one lives there. Imagine Miramar Misiones having to play in a 
you know, 50,000 seat this thing. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> well, they can just keep them the same, like send, you know, England and Germany to play a semi-final in Rampla Junior Stadium, <laughs> right by the bay with the, the tankers going by and the fans the watching them on top of the cargo the ships. The they could sell tickets for the cargo ships that pass by <laughs> and people just watching. I mean, more there. I mean, they would be, be I mean, if uh, there were hotels in Qatar that were basically composed of, you know, some slightly accommodated uh, cargo uh, well, cont- container, container, like containers, that. that's not a crazy thought. No. It's not a crazy well, thought. One, one of the things I read tweet was that the stadium made of containers they were already dismantling it once yeah. the quarterfinals one, sure. yeah once the final match was played then, there they were taking it away apparently there are plans to reuse it in future tournaments I mean presumably not huh? in four, in three and a half years time because there are plenty of stadiums already in yeah. Mexico and the States and Canada but yeah apparently part of the plan is to stick it up in so that's that's one more vote for Saudi Arabia 2030 I feel like hmm. yeah. um, I think we're going to take a break because while this has been a shorter first half than normal in honour of um, yesterday's final, we're going to go to a third period today, perhaps. I oh, just made this up. But basically, because Dan gave a champagne sure. to start, we now need to fill up with Fernet uh, because we're getting <laughs> to the bottom of our first classes. So I'm going to play some music, and when we get back, we'll talk about certain bits of the tournament um, and about Argentina and the team, and not just the team on the pitch, but also the technical team in a little bit more detail than the sort of rambling that we've been doing so far. So a note to Scaloni, basically. Indeed. So don't go away. First blog post in quite a long time uh, last night, um, and I gave a bit of an overview. Really, just like it was a personal reflection of, of my time following Argentina. I started writing about Argentine football twenty years ago, and I've been following it. Well, no, no sorry, I started following Argentine football twenty years ago. I started writing about it about sixteen years ago, um, and obviously between that and the fact that I don't write about it anymore, but I have continued to podcast about it. I've been covering it ever since for longer than I've been living here. Um, and I just went through a few of the, the managers and the fact that I've always said, like either on forums or on Twitter or in articles or wherever, that if Argentina failed to win the World Cup during Lionel Messi's playing career, I said this after the, like in about 2008 the first time, wasn't it, when it was already obvious the player he was going to become, then the AFA would only have themselves to blame. And they really at times, seemed to want to take that blame on themselves. 2006 is a little bit early, and just a quick note here, but Jose Pekerman, who has endured 16 years of abuse at times, not from everybody by any means, but he's taken it in the neck more than once. His work in the youth team level, yeah. brought through not only Messi and Di Maria as players in one of his last teams, but also Lionel Scaloni, Pablo Aymar, Walter Samuel, who will all have learned so much about coaching as well as 
playing from him when they were kids in one of his very first, I think 1995 was the team. Yeah, and Najela, when he was managing in 2006 yeah. in the first team. Exactly. Um, and after that, you have a succession. I mean, 2010, they basically, Julio Grandona just decides, yeah, this World Cup, fuck it, who cares? And it could have been one that Argentina could have been genuine candidates for, and you stick Diego Maradona in charge. And I... And, You shouldn't speak in of the dead, but in Julio Grandona's case, we can always make an exception. Right? <laughs> I mean, really, what was he thinking? Alejandro Savela, lovely, cuddly, beautiful Alejandro Savela, and it was so close to being perfect. And in Brazil, it would have just been that bit more perfect as well, right? But the Maragana, so close. And then San Paoli, when he was appointed, some of us, with a little bit of an outside gaze as well, looked at it and thought. You know, this could work. This could be interesting. That there could be something in this. And within five minutes, or you know, metaphorically five minutes, it was apparent that it was just going to be no. This is not going to work at all. I am the first guy to admit that when Scaloni was named Argentina manager, I was happy. We were all happy. I think finally, everyone you know, was asking for a him. serious coach with serious ideas, a real you know yeah. idea of how to play football. And yet he got it, it just by... ended up an unmitigated yeah. disaster. Yeah, well, and, and Not entirely his fault. I will go to the grave. Yeah, and crucially, qualifying not, the not entirely, criticism. Not entirely, but not entirely. at the same time, when I think Jorge Sampaoli's time in Argentina, in sorry, in, in charge of Argentina, mm. the first thing I think isn't really of any of the matches, any of the goals they conceded, any of the defeats, any of the the, the chaos or anything. The, the first thing I remember is that moment. I think it was a month or two after he'd, he'd been appointed or something, during a break, there wasn't even any matches taking place, he went out to some restaurant or something and got, oh, into, an argument, door, yeah. got into an argument with one of the doormen. It was Christmas went, Eve, I think, or and, and, and went like, oh, no, it was yeah. a policeman, yeah. Do you know how much I make compared with how much you make? It was, at a tra- no, it was at a traffic stop. He got yeah. pulled over. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. To be fair, he wasn't driving, it was his daughter who was driving. But, and he I mean, just, just the whole, the whole <laughs> attitude from that moment, yeah. it was just like, I mean, not only are you an obnoxious arsehole but also just it, it, it just something it just seemed to encapsulate him and how he operated yeah that was the moment we all realized he was a prick exactly. yeah he was like yeah, the, 2018 the, the complete opposite to what uh, Alejandro Savela represented as well you know mm. Mm. and, and Scaloni of course yeah, who started his well uh, Argentina tenure as by pulling off a bike Yeah, I mean, you can't get any more different than Sambali who got pulled over in his car <laughs> than falling off your bike. Yeah, um, I mean, it's crazy that those two people. those two people worked together for a while. Yes, I, I always come back to the story like of how Scaloni got his job at Sevilla because it just feels like one of those Sambali, not Scaloni. Scaloni, oh okay, because it just course, feels yeah, like one of those yeah. wonderful chaos theory butterfly moments. Yeah. Uh, San Paoli having this asado in Casilla, he's just about to go off and uh, coaching Sevilla. About three in the morning, being in you know, San Paoli, was boring all of his guests to tears with these weird football stories and theories, apparently. Um, and Scaloni's dad just turns up at his door, you know, he travelled from nearby Pujado, the, the hometown of Scaloni. And pretty much said, look, you remember my son, Scaloni, all right player, yeah? Play for Argentina. You want to give him a job? And somebody, you know, didn't, I don't think he wanted to to um, put an unpleasant twist on his goodbye party. Uh, very non-committal. Well, yeah, you know, I'm not in Sevilla yet. 
I'm not in Seville, but remind me again when I come and I might have something for him to do. Basically, just gave Scaloni this job as part of his battery team. No real uh, job title, I don't think, or task. But, you know, I think Scaloni's dad asked him nicely. Took him along to Argentina. Scaloni ended up being the only one who um, who stayed after the entire Sampoli battery team obviously went with him. And, and here we are today, like, yeah. could he, any he of us have imagined this? He got it by default. And it was just for the His first... entire man- coaching career is by default. Yeah. For, the first, for the first couple of international breaks, it was, do you want to manage them for these two matches? Mm. While well, we look for someone else. And then, yeah. okay, you've done all right in those two. Do you want to manage them for the next two? Mm. And then, okay, do you want to manage them until the end of the Copa America? And by the end of the Copa America 2019, the players are clearly formal affinity for him and he started to put the group together and now yeah. where we are I mean actually and, and if you remember there was an, another I feel butterfly butterfly effect moment at, at that Copa America which is I think you will all remember the Paraguay game we, were, we had lost the first mm. game against Colombia 2-0 we were drawing 1-1 against Paraguay and, and they then, were terrible. It was a yeah, horrible we were, match. We were horrible really, really bad. Really bad. And then Franco Armani was having an absolute shocker of a game. Concedes a penalty. Mm-hmm. Up, up steps Darling Gonzalez to take it. But Darling Gonzalez uh, hits an absolute... I mean, one of the worst penalties you will ever see. And shockingly, Franco Armani saves. Mm-hmm. And Argentina live another day. And they win the next game against mm. Qatar, and that's how that very much how the Scaloni era was born. Because in that game against Qatar, the one that came right after, was the first time that the midfield of Paredes, De Paul, and Ocelso ever played together on the pitch. Mm. That's pretty much the moment it was born with that save, that penalty save by Armani. And now we know, of course, just how bad Qatar are, and that, that was no ringing <laughs> endorsement. Um, yeah, the whole Scaloni era has been full of these. Um, Tiny moments. Uh, yeah. Armani getting COVID in the Let, Leno Copa getting America injured for Arsenal. Handing by default the the jersey to Diwo. Messi getting suspended in the third place playoff for being violently assaulted by Gary Medel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he, 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 he was in there as well. He, he was, was in there. He was, but he basically backed off while Medel shouldered him. <laughs> yeah, submission. That wasn't why he was suspended. He was suspended because he afterwards he lashed out against Commonwealth, couldn't corrupt. Okay, true. Yeah, that he was spending for like three months afterwards. Wasn't yeah, yeah. Uh, which meant that Scaloni could do what he had apparently been planning to do anyway, which was to try a team without build Messi. a team without you, and then yeah. we slot you back in when you're so, available. Yeah. Which has worked so well mm. as well. I mean, that's another. And also, uh, I mean, you have to remember the fact that you know the, the whole reason why Diego Martinez is on, is has, is in the national team right now is because a French Argentine player injured a, a, an Arsenal goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's yeah. how it all started. Well, the the whole squad was just twenty three players. I don't think Enzo Fernandez gets on the team. No. At least he doesn't make the final count. And it's I, I was and if, and and if, I won, if River if River won against Vélez, no, he's not. He wouldn't have played in the national team at this World Cup. Played, I don't think he probably wouldn't play. One, one, exactly. of, one of the things that I found most amazing was that after after Enzo's goal in the group stage against Mexico. Mm. Um, I something came to my mind and I was like it's only like a year and a bit since he did this wasn't it so I looked it up and it turned out that goal against Tigre where it in obviously the match that River actually ended up losing quite heavily 
But the, the one that he hits, and as Seba puts it, if any of us tried to do that, we'd boot the ball out of the stadium. Oh, yeah, he the, just, the one that's just and at the 90 degree angle. Yeah. That was April this year. Yeah. <laughs> that's unbelievable. <laughs> but, but, but that's the thing. That's, that's Scaloni's mm. biggest strength. How no, many times How many times have we had a, a player in Argentina throughout our history who everyone says, get him on, on the team and we have to wait. No, no, it's not his time. Messi himself yeah. had to wait his time and, and Peckerman kept him on the bench. Scaloni just had... Oh, Enzo Fernandez. You're in. You're in. Yeah. Come on. Julio Fernandez. Ah! Say Julio Fernandez. Another one for you guys. Alexis. You're a great Peckerman player. Come on over. But another butterfly, my man. What if Sergio Aguero's ticker... Adam, Adam packed in. Julian wouldn't be on the team, or he'd be the the fourth choice striker. Yeah, nah, yeah. I feel like I feel like Aguero would have still been relegated to the bench because of his poor form with the Manchester City in those final months. But he might have had a great year with well, Barcelona and plenty of goals. And you keep him in out? Yeah. Do, but then, do, do he would have been in the squad anyway because he's Aguero. He's you saw he was in the squad once anyway yeah, without do, even playing. Does uh, Argentina win the World Cup without Aguero playing the Bez from the Happy Mondays uh, role? <laughs> <that he plays laughs> it's his Cup natural role. Do Argentina Slash. win without Aguero beating that drum at full Slash time? Slash John Terry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, John Terry actually criticised the winner for not going full kit. Yeah. yeah. Well, great. This suggests that John Terry is developing self awareness. <laughs> no, it was. It was uh, jocular in time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Why didn't you just go for it? Yeah. Or you have to go yeah. the full nine yards, it boots, really, shin pads. I, I really think that that's his biggest strength. Just don't. Mm. Never doubt. Like, you're great with River. Come yeah. on. And also the fact that he's not married to one system or to any particular players. I mean, as yeah. Dan said, the midfield that, that brought them the success, Paredes, De Paul, Lo Celso, the one that we can recite from memory at the mm -hmm. start of the World Cup. One match, Saudi Arabia, and they dominated that match. You know, they lost because of two freak goals out of nowhere. But that's, he still wasn't afraid to That's Sampoli at Russia. At Russia. Yeah. Biglia and, and Mascherano started against France. Yeah, but Mascherano, and Enzo, Mascherano and Enzo Perez had started against Croatia. I mean, the, the difference Mar between... Marco Rojo. I mean, but Scaloni, <laughs> the difference between Scaloni and Sampoli is that Scaloni, Sampoli was making changes for the sake of changing, just yeah. to, uh, throwing things at the wall and see what, seeing whether they fit. Yeah. While Scaloni was... Look, it always looked like everything he did, every decision that he made was mm. uh, trying to service the game had, and service my, the opponents. My point is he had every right to keep Paredes after the first game against Arabia Saudita. He was... It's, it's his whole midfielder. Yeah. He, he made him into the, the, the Argentina's number five. Yeah. He had every right to keep to bring on Lo Celso and wait for him till the mm -hmm. he, he was last sixteen. Yeah. And or he, Joaquin he, Correa, who was Joaquin in the Correa. squad the entire he time. Ties with everyone. With Lautaro. Lautaro. was the only other yeah. left winger. Yeah. The, only, the only left winger. Because Di Maria is not a left winger. No. Lautaro Martinez was uh, as much a squad uh, a Scaloni player as there is. And he cut him loose after the first game because Julian Alvarez just had to be on the pitch. And it was just like that. And he never married against anyone and he gave everyone that had that was calling for the chance the chance at the exact moment. That's his biggest strength. I think he was also brave for the final yesterday because a lot of people thought that they might go for a five-man defence yeah. yesterday yeah. And, and it was very brave to go against France with a four-man defence yesterday. And, it and was, it paid and off Andy Maria. Completely. And he was, was very... was basically just... Almost, I mean, people were thinking, I mean, 
Di Maria could be good for this game, but not a lot of, a lot of us were actually considering him yeah. starting. It was either Paredes or... And starting him on the left. Yeah, yeah. And starting him on the left. Yeah, that was whenever, a real tactical master. <laughs> <laughs> one foot. Di Maria against Teo Fernandez. Teo Fernandez, Fernandez sorry. Yeah. Really weak all through the competition. Nine. Scaloni sees. Kaundi. Very, very good defender. Not a natural right back. Put Di Maria against him, let him run right. And also, and it that's brilliant coaching. And not, yeah. and not, not just that, but ev- when I saw him on the left, I thought like, oh, here we go again. Because yeah. we've seen oh, yes. we've seen him playing on the left for years and years and An years. Exercise and frustration. Yeah, exactly. And he was very brave too, mirroring uh, the five-man defense against the, the Netherlands. Yeah. When mm. the four-man defense had given him results and he changed and it's... His greatest strength. Yeah. He was the freak. He took the chance, even if it meant I don't know. And the only regret I think he has is not making enough changes against France. But as I've said before, mm. I think the, the the Netherlands game was in the back of his mind. He yeah. made the changes. Yeah. Oh, we all thought the game was out of reach for the Netherlands, and he went for the subs, and it, the game changed on a on a blink. And he waited too long yesterday. And he could have. Yeah, um, I was reading a, an article uh, but The Athletic. Uh, uh, was sorry, just yes, once. Yes. But then again, he makes great reads in the pre-match, but he doesn't have the, that experience that... And, and yeah, the mid-game... Yeah, uh, mid-game. Yeah. But he doesn't have the Scaloni scoreline is when Argentina are winning. <laughs> as long as it's level, I mean, he, or Argentina are down, he does everything right. When Argentina are winning, that is when you have to... So Scaloni is reviving the whole 2-0 is the most dangerous score. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is Argentina's motto for this one. 2-0 is the most dangerous He has 40 games career experience. He just doesn't have the reps. He hasn't made enough changes. I think, though, that the criticism... You can criticise him maybe for not making the changes too quickly yesterday, but like France made theirs super quick, like in the first half with Turam and Colomuani coming on for Giroud and Dembele. And in that second half, like they still weren't getting any luck. So you can kind of the context of it, it being that, you know, it was still two nil until what seventy seven minutes or something. Yeah, the end. and so like you know everything you was going fine up until that moment. They no, weren't that causing, was was to blame they weren't for yesterday. It was any problems? Two goals from another game essentially. Yeah, but, and you could also be forgiven for thinking that uh, the Champs changes were born out of not tactical tweaks but desperation. Which they were. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so well, that, that's the, probably the only need to pick. If you get to, to point to something, yeah. whenever the, the game broke down and it was just forwards and defenders, there was no midfield, just like yesterday mm-hmm. against France, just like yeah, against the Netherlands. Same. Against Australia, after the 2-1, uh, Argentina had no answer. They had no chance of imposing themselves and keeping the whole juice, whatever they did best. Once France got the equalizer, they just took... I don't know, yeah. 10 years down, and Argentina once again controlled yeah, the ball. Funnily enough, but, but for in, both, in both cases against Netherlands and against France, when it went to extra time, as, they soon, as, better. as soon as extra time started, it was like watching the first half of the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not really. I, yeah. I mean, against France, it was like by the end of the first, first yeah, half. Sure, sure but Argentina was the, best, yeah, was the best team on the extra time. And yeah, it may speak to, again, Scalin just doesn't have the reps. He hasn't been a coach enough time to... To have made for try and error that those matches that you have are uh, league matches. Oh, but uh, I'm saying it is a good thing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm saying he manages to get the players reset and he manages to get them to against the Netherlands. They completely dominated extra time, which is nothing to to in spot kicks. Yeah, and it's, and it's clear above all else, these players live and die for Scaloni. Yeah, and, and you can see the, the thing, spirit, right? the strength of this team to like come back again and again the, after the taking it. Fortitude. Yeah. 
I, mean, I guess it's so rare in international football. So to go back to how do you get that? To go back to something that we've already mentioned. If if it goes to extra time, to go back to something that we talked about earlier, it has got to help if you're one of the outfield players and you think, you know, if this does end up going to penalties, then we've won the game already anyway. So. And might yeah. as well go for yeah. broke, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And what I was, I was uh, thinking about what Dan just said about uh, these players uh, willing to live and die for Scaloni. I think there's something like really countercultural about that. I mean, in, in, in this era in which the international game is most disrespected, most left aside by most uh, European countries, you know, games have become as m- m- the most meaningless for them. You know, because they are accustomed to you know giving a lot more value to their club, the club teams. While what you see in South America and especially in Argentina, you see all these players who can't wait mm-hmm. to go and meet their international teammates. And, and also, not only to their club teams, but to for the European teams, matches against other European teams, which was obviously we've all seen. Some of our listeners might not have seen the quote that was circulated from I think it was April or May or something an interview that he did it was May. from yeah. Kylian Mbappe. Uh, with TNT Sports, right? In, oh, but not here. In Brazil, TNT Sports in Brazil. Brazil. It was uh, in Brazil. Where he said, you know, the European teams are going to be winning every World Cup for a while now. That's why if you look at all of the ones for the last 20 years, European teams have won them because football is just not as highly developed in South America. Now, there's a, there's a modicum of truth in that. First of all, I'm going to say, Kylian Mbappe does not strike me as somebody who I would very much enjoy being stuck in a lift with. Mm. But <laughs> he is, he's a very young man. Mm-hmm. He's not had to think about, in spite of his you know, background, uh, very many of, of, of the um, colonial aspects and the history of, of the world that feed into football just as much as they feed into everything else and his one experience of playing against a South American team essentially confirmed everything he was claiming back in 2018 against Argentina Mm. but what he hasn't considered even just on a purely footballing level is that the club that he plays for the previous club that he played for the club that he's supported since he was a kid and keeps on continually being linked with in the transfer market all the time those clubs would be nothing without the talent of South American players Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, European club football would be nothing. You could make an argument that the English game, having brought them in so much more recently, has only sort of started to be. But even then, you've got Ozzy Ardiles and Ricky Vicha, who undoubtedly yeah. had a massive influence on, on English football. European club football would be unimaginably... Worse. It look, looks so much different. So I'm not going to say so worse necessarily, yeah. but... You, it, it's impossible to work out what European club football w- would look like without the South American influence. And to say European football is just more advanced than South American football, when a hundred years ago they may have well, just not been playing the same sport at all because Argentina and Uruguay were so much better than anything else anybody in Europe had ever seen. Yeah. And that has continued to, to hold forth. And the reason the European sites now are dominant is because they can afford to have everybody playing for the same two or three clubs mm-hmm. all the time. Germany can afford to have half of their squad playing for Bayern and they still go out in the fucking group stage. <laughs> and even if they Twice don't running, but even if they Italy, don't play for the same teams, they meet five times a year in the Champions League, they yeah. meet five times a year in the Nations League. Yeah, uh, and, 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 the, and, the, and the Nations League is was at the time a very transparent exercise by UEFA's biggest countries yeah. to try and pull up the ladder mm-hmm. and say 
Yeah, you know what? We, we don't want to organise friendlies against Argentina and Brazil. Let them have... Let them have their, their matches against these meaningless little opponents mm. who they're going to thrash every time in Commonwealth competition. But you know what? If you look at the average FIFA ranking of countries involved in World Cup qualification groups, the average FIFA ranking for Commonwealth nations is somewhere around 30. France are playing... I mean, who were France playing World Cup? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, that, that, would make, that would make Mbappe's uh, claim even factually incorrect. Exactly. So they're not playing against Bertin, they're playing against Moldova, well, Moldova. they're playing against... France's last two World Cup qualifying matches were an 8-0 win at home to Kazakhstan, and no offence to anybody listening from Kazakhstan or Finland, but a 2-0 win away to Finland. And that's not factoring in the trouble, which I mean, like, we all know, traveling from oh, Argentina to La Paz, yeah. traveling exactly. from Argentina exactly. to... But, but can, can, can Mbappé do it on a warm... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon in, in La Paz. No, absolutely. <laughs> Bolivia are the worst team by a distance in Commonwealth, and their FIFA ranking is like 80th or something, which is far above the lowest ranked FIFA side in any European qualifying. I mean, the lowest Bolivia ranked were in the European second, qualifying. They would have a very good chance of getting through. Yeah, yeah. You know, with yeah, half the, of those 12 the, games. The second, the, the second <laughs> worst absolutely. team. Yeah. Absolutely. The second lowest ranked team in Commonwealth, Venezuela are f like 51st in the world mm -hmm. or something. I'm going off the top of my head rather yeah. than reading this, but like... See, they're uh, only they made to look crap never because they're playing against really good teams. teams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, every, yeah. Literally every other side in Commonwealth is in like the world's yeah. top 35 or something. Yeah, they can't I'm, I'm just wondering, so I'm going to think aloud a little bit. Obviously, um, what Ember Bay said has some, some uh, grounds of truth, but I wonder if it didn't work the other way as well because what I saw, especially in the game, you know, the three European games against Argentina, uh, the four, including Poland, um, they didn't seem to know what to expect from Argentina. No. Um, it, it, they it seemed felt... to set up for games which just weren't what transpired on no, the pitch. Exactly. I think and and in that way, it felt a little bit like how you imagine World Cups were before the global television. Absolutely. Era, right? like, <laughs> you know, France's you, opening tactics against Argentina were catastrophic. Yeah. You can't, like, if you had to pick the worst way to play against this Argentina team, you would have set up like France did in the final for the first, uh, for the first 40 minutes at least. And yeah. It was an absolute clusterfuck. Pe pe people, people of our parents' generation talk about how World Cups were always really exciting when they were kids because you got to see players like Pelé mm. or players like, if they're a little bit younger, like Maradona or whatever, who you never normally get to yeah. see. Yeah, you've read about them and you, and you, you, you really imagine them. Yeah. And they're in these different styles. The in-betweens. Yeah. And it's a... almost as if, you're right, like the Nations League has resulted in European sides suddenly mm. not really being aware of how Brazil and Argentina yeah. play. And I... for Brazil, that's fine because they're going to bottle it anyway because they're a bunch of bottles. <laughs> so okay. just, just something that's occurred to me. Quite like, good at football. You know, following this, this point to its logical conclusion, would that make it more logical, kind of give another um, dimension to the fact that Three of Argentina's best players, Julian Alvarez, Enzo Fernandez, Just and Alexis McAllister. Cristian Romero and Diego Martinez. They've been. Um, let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. Uh, probably the three players on the team with the least European experience. Did they come as surprise packages? No one had bothered to see what have they been doing, especially Enzo and Julian. I know Alexis McAllister has been there a little bit longer, but Brighton, who pays attention to Brighton? I mean, Julian I don't Alvarez, know, there might be something in that. Julian Alvarez almost certainly, because not only that, but I mean, en Enzo's been 
tearing up trees for Benfica already. Well, I've just seen how everyone's surprised by Enzo. Alvarez has barely even played. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. actually, barely even played is, is an understatement, obviously. He, he's played plenty, but he's not mm. first choice for Manchester City. Yeah, but, but I wonder they, if there's something in that. Like, they just didn't expect these three guys who, obviously, everyone around this table know oh, are fantastic. I mean, look, even, the, even after the group stage ended, people in, in my WhatsApp trivia group, hello mm. guys, if you're listening to this, because I'm going to post a link because I'm going to nick one of your um, stats later on. Um, <laughs> We're saying that some people, I should say, not everybody, were saying that they didn't really see like Argentina didn't have a particularly strong midfield. Exactly. And I'm like, yeah. First of all, maybe I haven't mentioned this before, but I really like Enzo Fernandez. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all? Don't it's, we all? Especially going, now he's gone. It's going to break my heart when he signs for Liverpool or Manchester City in, <laughs> in a few months' time, um, as is inevitably going to happen. But I, I love him. To pieces. I'm gonna. He's 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 gonna be dead to me the moment that he signs for a club I dislike. But for now, still a big fan. Um, but just it, it, the the multifunctionality as well. But then you've got Alexis, who starts as a number ten. I mean, almost as not a midfielder really for Argentinos and Bonga, mm. and is now being slotted into more of a number eight role and a free eight or even a number six. And a Brighton who's even a number six. He's yeah, yeah. a midfielder. And Brighton, well, he's done a bit of everything. He's it, done a bit of attacking back, midfield and defensive. Midfield. Yeah, it goes back yeah. to the point you said. That, um, the prior generation spoke about. I've read about this player, but I've never seen the the in betweens. Mm. I've, I've seen. I've, I've read about the highlights. Mm. You've got to see those in betweens. How do you play exactly at the World Cup? Enzo Fernandez plays for Benfica. Not many people watch Benfica games, even I, though they play in the Champions I, League. Yeah, we more because of Enzo. We more certainly do because of Enzo. Because of the Funny enough, our Argentines and South Americans in general end up being better knowledge of European than Europeans have us. Exactly, because we we are actually forced to watch. Yeah, not many people watch Brighton. We do. Speak for yourself. And then Julian is on this is a. He plays alongside Haaland, but he doesn't play alongside him. He just comes on when hands mm. not over, and yeah. he gets bits and pieces. So yeah. you got those in betweens. You saw, uh, yeah, Enzo Fernandez. Yeah, mm. one highlight here or there. But at the World Cup, those people were treated to the, the yeah, yeah between I mean, those highlights and this. All the other things he does, he also does really well, and he's or, a complete player. Yeah, or Nahuel Molina, who yeah. the fuck has no, seen an Udinese game? No one, not even Udinese fans have watched no, Udinese. Or even the point where no, it's no, even a real club. Or no, even well, Molina's, the ball as well. Now, when Molina's parents don't watch Udinese games. No, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Not even now when Molina, when I mean, the coach asks him to, <laughs> to watch back the game tapes, he goes off and has a mad thing. <laughs> no one I mean, watches these games. I mean, that's. I know he's not. He's at Atletico yeah. now, but the point's just. I fine. mean, I feel like that's something that's going to annoy me, you know, in a few years. That I feel like this this Argentinian team, this you know, win. Will be remembered as uh, you know, Messi and Di Maria trying to no. carry off the shoulders. It, it won't because first of all, I'm going to make something that it. I mean, to be honest, it's not really sticking my neck out that far, but it might still sound like sticking my neck out a long way in some ways. Julian Alvarez is going to be far more important for Manchester City's next decade than than Erling Haaland is. Oh! Oh! Wow! Bold opinion! Wow! Well, mostly because Erling Haaland is going to score a lot of goals. But but he's going to be on a really short time. He's he's going to be, I think, a Ronaldo figure. Yeah. He is. Probably. Once he starts picking up injuries, his career is going to drop off. 
Oof. This is just me shooting shit. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna. I know, it, I know it is. It's no, so no. far out. It's reaching into my garden. No, I but mean, secondly, I mean, I'll, 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 now that Guardiola has confirmed he's he's extending his City contract mm. to 2025, twenty 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 five, right? If he's there long term, Alvarez is a striker who fits his style of play, his pressing oh, line, sure. better mm. than Haaland does. So, um, so you're saying a couple of years of Haaland cashing 250 million to Madrid? Yeah. Haaland is the cheat code. Right. But Alvarez is the player who, if I were Guardiola and I was married to the system that Guardiola is married to, I would be wanting to ideally make Alvarez the main striker after a while, which um, is very difficult to do when you just... Erling Haaland will be good for Manchester City. I've watched a lot of him for the last two and a half years in the Bundesliga. I would say he'll be good for Manchester City for about two years and then it will be a six months a year of when are you going to go to Real Madrid and how much for? Yeah. Um, right. That will be... Okay, so for, for those listeners who, aren't, of course, who can't watch of course, what's going on, Sam... I will ask you to kindly please remove your Manchester United shirt right now. <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying it. I'm, I'm saying it because... You're saying it as an Argentina fan rather than Man United I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it, no, seriously. I'm, if we're going to look for bias. In, in, just in terms of style. First of all, Alvarez is going to be happier to stay where he is. Mm. And secondly, he fits Guardiola's well-established style of play ah, that's absolutely much better. True. That no, is true. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I, I, think, I, I don't go as far as I, I post on a football forum where one of the posters, who is also a massive Manchester United fan and is a bit more hyperbolic in the stuff that he says than I am, but he, he likes to say that if you're Guardiola, then you'd just be pissed off about the fact that City signed Haaland over your head, which is clearly <laughs> a ridiculous thing to say. Okay, I'm not saying that Guardiola is not very very happy to be choosing between these two as, as his main centre forward, but in the long run. First of all, Harman's style suggests that physically he's not going to last as long. That's not to say he's going to be shot in two years' time. Obviously, he's still very young. <laughs> but he, he's going to pick up more injuries. And secondly, Alvarez is just... He, he's a player who, who has been brought through in the mould of the players. That I think the, the thing is, going back to my point, uh, I feel like that, I mean, that's Alvarez. And Alvarez has already scored four, four goals at, that, at, that, at this World Cup, which mm-hmm. is a lot. When you remember, you know, what kind of World Cups Alexis McAllister did, Enzo Fernandez, Nahuel Molina, Rodrigo De Paul, uh, even, even Marco, well, Mar- I mean, Marcos Apart Aguilar, from okay. the iffy final, which he wasn't fit for, that's why he didn't start. Yeah, but, but he mean, did have a very, very Yeah, but goal. the thing is, I mean, when you, when you list those names, people will, I mean, discredit those names. They will tell yeah. you, Messi has played, Messi and Di Maria were trying to, you know, uh, carry a team of... Uh, Nobody's to the World Cup kind of like I've no had this did. a lot because I've spent the, mo- the large part of the last two days talking to uh, British radio stations um, doing spots for them and there's definitely this feeling like who okay. are this team they've just been carried by Messi to the final but look half of the uh, and it wasn't half of the team playing the Premier League they know who they are <laughs> that's crazy to me right have, have you not watched them no right they play for Brighton they play for Tottenham they play for Aston Villa they play for Manchester United but that was their sub <laughs> yeah, he, he couldn't get yeah. a game. He couldn't get a game. United's best defender couldn't get a game. Look at Varane. Excuse he me. Dived <laughs> off the pitch and got injured. Sorry, Dan. He was too scared Dan. to continue. He just went off. Dan, let's just show some respect, please. The Premier League's best defender couldn't get a game. <laughs> fair, 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 fair. But I agree that that is the angle that people are going to be taking now. Yeah. But when people are looking back on this in 20 years, and Enzo Fernandez has won a bunch of golden ball, ballon d'ors, mm. sorry. <laughs> 
Julian Alvarez has been Manchester City's main striker and scored 1,200 goals. In <laughs> and people said, remember when he thought Holland was going to be yours? Yeah. <laughs> 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 How long were we going to be? Erling Braut Harmon. Yeah. Exactly. sitting there saying, ridiculous. Those Dortmund guys sold us a flop. When people are looking back on this <laughs> in 20 years' time, listening to this episode in the year 2042, with the knowledge that Erling Braut Haaland retired at the age of 25, mm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be doing Hand of Pod number 8,606, saying, yeah. hey, Seals, right? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that I, I, I think that uh, so much of this squad are, are very young. So, well, some of them are very young. Some mm. of them are young and have got most of their careers ahead of them. It's only really Messi, Di Maria, Otamendi. And maybe Emiliano. Papu but honest. by goalkeeping standards. Nah, no, he's got another one. Emiliano's got Papu at least one more one. I thought it was a Of course he has. I thought it was just a chili. I mean, they I'm were joking. Even when they were two chili. But the thing is, you mistook him for Beckham. I mean, even when you think about Tainefico, Tainefico is 30. And he was brilliant when he when he came in. But people are going to remember him like he was... I think he was solid. I don't think he was brilliant. I think he did. His semi-final final were brilliant. He played his role really well. Take off those red goggles, Santi. And as we said during the last recording, I can't remember whether you were here from the last recording, Santi, after the group stage. But the full-backs on both sides are like... They're not exactly interchangeable. It's not that you can't tell the difference. But it's also very much, both for the two right-backs and for the two left-backs... When Argentina were like, oh, shit, Molina's injured, or, oh, Acuna's suspended for this one, we've got to bring in Montiel or Tagliafico. Nobody's going, oh, no, how can we possibly, like... And, and equally, yeah. if and that's when you consider, happens, And that's when you consider that fullback was Argentina's weak link. That's well, that's it, yeah. yeah. The only position you say, just put one of the two in, it's fine. Yeah. Not going to win your games, but hopefully won't lose your games. Except... For when you have one of them taking the winning penalty in the World Cup final. Yeah, indeed. And when that indeed. happened, when, when I realised Montiel was taking fourth, my mind went back to the moment, I think it was his first goal for River Plate, mm. when nobody had ever seen him take a spot kick before. <laughs> I, I can't remember why he was taking it, right? They got given a penalty, and whoever it was who was their taker at the time was off the pitch, mm. for whatever reason. And Montiel steps up to take it, and... I must have still been on football Twitter at the time because I seem to remember there was some reaction just like, why is this like 19-year-old right-back taking a penalty? This is not going to go well. Full-backs don't take penalties. And he, at about 250 kilometres an hour, just smashed it into the top corner. Mm. And it was like, oh, this guy's trained. <laughs> yeah. I think he was Rivers' first penalty taken yeah. for a while, right? Yeah. 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 They kind of run when they miss uh, Borre and Nacho Fernandez. Yeah. They were all so bad at penalties. Move over. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean Montiel has never missed a penalty in his life. No, exactly. Really? Yep. And when I've completely forgotten that. I probably shouldn't have been that I mean, nervous I was yesterday. My head I was extremely calm when Montiel stepped up to take yeah, the penalty. No, exactly. For, 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 for he was that whole backstory. He was He was against the Netherlands just to take the penalty. Yeah. I love, I love, I love the, the fact that he scored the winning penalty and only like two players went over and celebrated with him. Normally, if you score the winning penalty in a World Cup final, like the whole team surrounds you. But I mean. I, I would sit him one who was just too I would sit on a team one. where Lionel Messi wasn't winning his first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd uh, go for Messi or Dibu. But that would be my first thing. I'd go straight for Dibu. Straight like, for Dibu. What antics right? you would find in you that. You might get sexually assaulted. You but might, but it. you know, what happens, happens. Only yeah. if you're a trophy. True. Can't, can't stress that enough because oh, yeah. no lawyers write it. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, the the other aspect though, just from the narrative point of view, though, I'm very happy that Montiel got to score the winning penalty. Is of course it was him who got the accidental handball to take it to extra, mm-hmm. no, not to extra time, but to penalties in the first yeah, place. Pretty much. He hadn't um, had a, a nice run up to that uh, penalty in the last games. He won, came on against uh, the Netherlands, and he got a yellow card and got suspended mm-hmm. for yeah. the, the Croatia <laughs> game, and he took a penalty. But uh, and then he came on and, and had the handball. Yeah, yeah. it was awesome. I'm going to I'm going to call another break now. Uh, we're going to go into extra time because, of course, inevitably, we've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of Lister questions. So we're going to do a whole third half of the podcast on Lister's questions. Um, there are other things that I still want to say and that I still want to ask you guys, but I kind of, partly because I've already looked at some of the tweets we've had and partly because I just I suspect that people will have asked anyway, I think that they're probably going to be covered in the next section. Um, we're going over our normal time, but Argentina just won the World Cup. The situation so, probably merits again, it, if any situation yeah. merits it. Much like going into a penalty shootout against Emiliano Martinez. If you switch on the pod episode on after Argentina have won the World Cup, you know what you're getting. begin with my own little section uh, of this podcast because as some of you might have noticed if you're regular listeners I like football trivia and (laughs) ain't no kind of football trivia like World Cup football trivia and we've just had a World Cup so let's get some trivia on I'm going to let Chris do the first one because he has just come out with a fact that I was not aware of um and that is very, very good. This is recycled, so it's not mine, but uh, I, I believe that Alex McAllister is the only Brighton representative, uh, sorry, the, was the first Brighton representative to play at a World Cup. There were other ones at this World Cup and is now a World Cup winner from Brighton. Absolutely. So, yeah. so he wasn't the only Brighton player at this World Cup. But no, was it? I said no, I think, uh, was there? Uh, uh, no. Uh, one of the Cameroon players, maybe. Oh, one yeah. other. Another Belgium was here as well. Might need to. I, I've had a blast. Uh, I've had a blast watching uh, all the reactions from the Brighton fans to Alexis McAllister mm. having to go back to train with Brighton players, being a World Cup winner, and just like. Well, they've got a game against Charlton Athletic yeah. in the Carabao Cup on Wednesday. I don't yeah. think he'll make it back. No, I don't. Think <laughs> and Emiliano Martinez is also Aston Villa's first World Cup champion. Yeah. There you go. Uh, while we're doing this Lisandro Martinez is the fifth player to win it while playing for Manchester United obviously they've had others Paul Pogba and then three of the England squad in 1966 Mm. oh no one in between no 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 no. Um, would have lost yeah obviously in between they had a bunch of players who they signed either after or before they won the World Cup um, on the theme of Brighton by the way and Alexis McAllister uh, I got an email earlier from somebody who works on Brighton's match day programmes and was asking about a Q&A about Alexis McAllister's World Cup campaign uh, for the Brighton versus Arsenal match day programme that's coming up. And I decided to pass them on to Dan, who has responded positively with his desire, given that Dan's from Brighton. Um, 
we haven't heard back from the guy yet because that was only about two hours ago that I sent the email. But if you're a Brighton fan and a Brighton match going fan and listen to the pod, look out for a Q&A with Dan in the Arsenal. Um, and if you can send me a program, I'd love program. to read it. Uh, you know, I do these things semi-often and never actually get to see the physical uh, evidence. So if you happen to go to that game, send me a copy and I don't know. We'll and he might get... pay you for it. No, I'm not going to pay you for it. <laughs> I'll be no, thankful. Uh, um, Dan, has, Dan has paid them for it already with 400 plus episodes of 100 Absolutely. Yeah, if you're yeah. listening to this podcast then. On I the subject was... of stats, I was wondering, I can't begin to confirm it. We probably need Tony here to be honest with his access to massive bases of data. Would Argentina be the first, I know they're the first uh, team to win the World Cup, fi- World Cup final after losing their first match. Yeah. But, no, Spain. Did they lose their first match? I, I thought they drew their I first match. I think they drew. Match. I definitely heard that they were, that this was a fact. Hang on, go on, carry on. Um, would they be the first World Cup winning team to lift the title without scoring a single set-piece goal? Not from no, because penalties are set-pieces, does <laughs> They got lots of them. But not including penalties, like free kicks, okay, not from free kicks. corners. And now you're making it fit your... No, nah, penalties, you know, <laughs> penalties are penalties. Set-pieces, everyone knows what a set-piece goal is. Mm. Uh, the pause is what I, very quick, because I'm sure Spain lost their first match. <laughs> I definitely heard that that's that no team no team has won the without a piece goal well maybe true I have no way of knowing let's see Spain lost their first match 1-0 to Switzerland oh, oh surely true there you go that. no they won the other two they beat um, Honduras 2-0 and then beat Chile 2-1 I'm going to apologise, by the way, for background noise, uh, but if oh, you the door. will insist on having a young child, his team have just won the World Cup, he's going to be very excited. Yeah, he's excited. already learned all the songs, I think. <laughs> Speaking of which, I heard about, I think, 30 or 40 renditions of Muchachos in the space of about two hours by the Obelisk. Yes, that um, is the song that, in not particularly good sound quality, you will have heard at the very, very, very beginning of this podcast before the theme tune, because uh, I went down to my local celebration in uh, Misha or Tusa uh, yesterday, and just after I started recording a video, everybody broke into a rendition of it. So that's mm. what you heard. We've got so, an, uh, an updated latest version courtesy of the... The national team. Yeah, the national team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they, they not songwriters. No. I guess if you... I think that's fair to say. But yeah. <laughs> there's you a, win the there's a reason that they went into football rather than <laughs> writing about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was alright. You know, it came from the heart. They were trying. Um, who's going to begrudge from a fairly ropey... Uh, I think if you're a World Cup champion, you can... You can do whatever you like. If they just want to do the whole lyrics, fuck France, fuck France, fuck England, fuck France... Fuck the Netherlands and fuck everyone else. Be fine with it. Indeed. We'll take that. Um, back to the trivia. <laughs> First of all, since we're talking about the World Cup final, even though it's not Argentine, Kylian Mbappe mm. scored a hat trick yesterday. Oh, yeah. He is the second man and the third person to score a hat trick in a World Cup, in an adult World Cup final. Anyway, I'm sure somebody's done it in like the under 17 World Cup final or something. Uh, after Jeff Hurst and Carly Lloyd. 
he is the first person to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final and not end up winning the World Cup. Sorry about that, Killian. Oh, dear. Couldn't be helped. But I will say, in spite of the fact that we've already had, that's the second time we've taken the piss out of him in this podcast, uh, that taking three penalties, if you include the shootout, in one match and mm. scoring all of them is very impressive. Martinez did especially get a against Martinez. Martinez. Martinez, Martinez did get a hand. He got very close to the shootout yeah, one. Yeah. Shootout I think if Mbappe had to take a fourth penalty... Yeah. yeah, Martinez would have got it. Um, but relatedly, and back on the Argentina track, that hat trick means that Lionel Messi joins Jarzinho in 1970 as one of only two players ever to score more than sorry two men ever to score more than six goals at a World Cup and not finish as top scorer. Oh. Everybody else who scored more than six has finished at least joint top scorer and has shared the golden boot. So Messi is the, the second ever silver shoe winner or silver boot winner to score more than six goals. Um, Messi, of course, started this World Cup never having scored in a knockout stage um, match of the World Cup because he's a fraud um, <laughs> and has finished it with 13 goals and eight assists across his World Cup career, which is a record for mm-hmm. anybody. So far. Uh, indeed. He has finished it as the first player ever to score in the round of 16, the quarterfinal, the semi-final, and the final. He's also the only, he, I think he was the fifth player ever to score in the round of 16, the quarters and the semis, and the previous four failed to win the trophy. So he's the only player to have that combination. Ah, that's as well. They failed yeah. to win the trophy. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I've, I've done my homework here. Um, <laughs> as I shared with the group earlier, uh, Julian uh, Alvarez, Enzo Fernandez, and Thiago Almada. Join the Uruguayans Hector Scaroni and Domingo Tejera, who were both members of the 1930 squad, as the so far five men to have won the World Cup who were not born in the 20th century. This is a great one. That's a great one. Uh, I love that. That's really good. Chris is not a member of our WhatsApp group, but that is my favourite. Much better than Tiny's fake cherry picked yes. thing about cities and stuff. Tony came out with one. I very much like it, but it was quite confusingly phrased. So, um, but yeah, I, 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 that's, this is one that obviously in like 20 years' time it's going to be like, yeah, okay. I mean, Maybe this, yeah. Quite a significant portion of World Cup when it's weren't born in the 20th century. Um, but yeah, Scaroni was, by the way, the last person born in the 19th century to score in a World Cup. He scored in a 4 0 Uruguay win over Romania in the group stage in 1930. And after that, everybody else who scored in the 1930 World Cup was uh, born in the 20th century. Um, and so Tony's really confusing one was that Uruguay, <laughs> Uruguay in 1950 and Argentina yesterday are the only two teams to win the World Cup with final with more than one goal scorer in the yes. final and, and with every, the goals every came. goal scorer in the final born in the same city. So in 1950, both um, Alberto Schiaffino and Alcide Xizia were born in Montevideo. Mm. Yesterday, of course, both... Well, okay, they weren't born yesterday. <laughs> Literally. Uh, but both Lionel Messi and Angel Di Maria were born in Rosario. And uh, the only other two that we could find, anyway, for multiples, so to speak, were that Uruguay had two World Cup winners... Uh, sorry, two, Three. two goal scorers in the 1935. Three goal scorers. No, because one was born in Canelones. But they scored four goals. Yes, and they were scored by four different players. Yeah, so one three were well, from one no, Canelones. Ah, and that's pretty much two from Montevideo. Fair. Um, 
and one was born in Spain, so they weren't all uh, scored. And both of Argentina's goals in that same final were scored by people born in the city of Buenos Aires, but Argentina didn't win the World Cup. So as and I think says, it happened in 1970 as well with Brazil, with two from Rio, but then another two players right. scored as well. Uh, it's as, it's as a little said, bit... Um, Tony's cherry-picked yeah. a bit. But, you know, he's got the pressure. When you go a bit nuts on the Opta filters, I think um, that's the kind of thing that come up. But it's interesting nonetheless. Indeed. Um, Messi's goals and assists tally now place him, I think, fourth for um, all-time World Cup finals goals. As in, goals scored at the tournament rather than in World Cup finals. Which Kylian Mbappe, ridiculously, is already the highest ever goal scorer. And he's going to break it. No, he is. He's already. He absolutely is. It's his no, second but. World Cup, and he's twenty-three, and he's already got the record. He's going to be so far ahead of everybody yeah. else by the time he retires that he's just going to. Unless Haaland somehow time. finds a way to get to a World Cup, yeah. yeah. Um, or Julian Alvarez. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, uh, Messi's eight assists at World Cups is a joint national record with. I can't remember his name. Uh, Diego, someone, anyone? No. Maradona. Yeah, that's the one. Maradona. <laughs> Him. We've all forgotten about him now. Uh, but yeah, joint national record with Maradona. Uh, his thirteen goals plus eight assists for twenty-one goal involvements. Um, in total, is a World Cup record at least since nineteen sixty-six when assists started being counted, and also including Pele's assists from nineteen fifty-eight and sixty-two. Apparently they went back and counted because he didn't get that many in 66 and 70. Yeah. I think he got two assists in 70 and obviously he barely played in 66. Right. So the fact that they're counting him as <laughs> 10 plus 8 or something like that. Anyway, um, what other ones have I got that were good? Or possibly slightly boring to some people who are listening, but I really liked them. Can't remember right now. So shall we carry on? Yeah, let's do some questions. Yes. Um, Lister's questions... We've had a few today, funnily We've enough. had, yeah. It's almost I, like something important happened. I can't recently. imagine why. Um, here we go. I've got to go all the way down. Very long way down, indeed. Okay. These are responses to my... The, the video of the audio that some of you might have... Well, sorry. The video that some of you might have seen on Twitter of the audio that you all heard at the start of this episode. Um, so, first of all, AJ simply replied to my request for questions with Can't Wait... Not a question, AJ, uh, but thank you very much indeed. Pshemek Sofstel says, which of you really believed that they could win it after the first game against Saudi Arabia? I should have said, by the way, when we started recording, and that Santi has left. Uh, he couldn't hang around anymore because <laughs> he's got to sort out dinner for his family. Uh, so he's not here. So there are four of us now. Which of us believed that they could win it after the first game against Saudi Arabia? I did. Yeah, I didn't think that ruled them out um, of the running at all. I didn't necessarily believe with all my heart that they were going to go along and win it because it's a World Cup. It's very, very difficult to win. Um, but, yeah, I felt confident they'd at least bounce back. Um, I couldn't imagine them going out in the first round after everything that has, that's happened the last year, two no, years or so. It wasn't on the cards. I wasn't really confident in the run-up, so the, the, the game against, against Saudi Arabia didn't change my... I thought they had a chance, but so many things had to go right that I thought, well, they still make it out of their group. And It's a shame you couldn't mm. make it along for one of our preview episodes, because one of the things I said in, I think, our immediate preview episode was that I felt like it was the first um, 
I won't say the most optimistic that fans have been while I've been living here, but it was the first time that the fans were pretty optimistic because really in 2014 nobody was expecting very much no. at all. And I also felt like, yeah, Argentina got a very real chance to do some serious damage in this one. I was, I wasn't really optimistic on the, I, I, I wasn't, and I was. And Messi was such, such a, a force back then that. Uh, could he master seven games mm. of brilliance? Uh, I thought it was more probable in 2014 than it was now. Uh, I gave them a chance now, but so many things had to go right. Uh, the thin margins that we spoke about. Uh, mm. It was just so many things that had to go right. Yeah. Uh, I, what I always say is that how, how good a chance do you give a team of getting to the semi-final? Because once the semi-finals are there, yeah. you've got four yeah. teams and any of them. Like All it takes is a hairline save from an outstretched boot in the last minute of stoppage time when yeah, it's 3-3 three, three or something, you know, and, and it could flip the whole tournament on its head. Um, yeah, I think there was a general hand up of consensus that this was a squad capable of reaching the semi-finals, mm. uh, which we all said. And then after the semi-finals, I was very down on them once Lo Celso wasn't available because I thought he was really crucial to this. Uh, I'll be yeah, honest, I kind of thought it was a blessing in disguise. I, you know, I like Gio as much as the next guy, but... Really? Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't... I wasn't it's, it's crushed I when, mean, um, when said, I heard he was out. As I've said many times, I don't really pay much attention to European club football is not United, but his form's kind of dropped off this season, right? I don't even know where he is, to be honest. But I think he, the role he played for Argentina was that of do what Messi's not doing at, at the moment. Messi likes to drop back. Lo Celso went up to, sure. to receive between the lines. Messi went up as a second striker or Celso yeah. could create. It turns he, out that Enzo and Alexis are quite Yeah, uh, yeah. but they stepped up in such a big way. I, I, I thought I, they really marveled me. I, I had confidence in them going in. I thought Alexis was a great player. And Enzo, well, we've all seen what he's done. What he's done at Batica is... But uh, to do it at such a stage and unproven, Enzo had what literally sixty-one minutes in the in the, in the national team yeah, yeah. before getting on against Mexico. So um, I loved in the, the presentation ceremony um, after the the win and when and before the trophy. <laughs> he didn't know where he, was he just didn't have a fucking clue what he was supposed to do. It was like they gave over here. Well, he wandered yeah, off and everyone else was posing for the photo. It was like, oh shit, I've got to be over here. Uh, he just completely out of his game for go the in. first time in the tournament. They really lost two very important squad players in Lo Celso and in Nico Gonzalez who was uh, as mm. much as a Scaloni player as there is uh, with Lautaro maybe and Paredes. They, he, they were his players and uh, I thought that was a big blow and so it didn't change much well, the result against him. So I think on a, on a related note, just to jump off that, um, I think it says a lot about you know the two finalists and just how different a mental the mentality was in each camp. You had uh, Argentina just before the final inviting Lo Celso, Correa, uh, Nico Gonzalez, Agüero, all into the camp to train with the guys, uh, joining the day to day. While just over the road in France, they have this complete shit show about what Benzema's going to do. Could he even come back for the final? Is he going to go to support? It seemed to just like rip the entire thing. The whole narrative was on this guy who was back in Madrid and yeah. clearly didn't give a shit about um, France. And France didn't give a shit about him. But, you know, they're tiny indicators, but yeah. I don't think it's 
outlandish to say yeah, that I, spirit in the Argentina that, team gave them a little bit of an edge maybe when that's when kind of that's kind of my point uh, Benzema mm. was an outsider to this transfer. he's retired they, now he yeah they won the World Cup they won the World Cup without him and they yeah. they then brought him back in whereas Lo Celso and Nico Gonzalez were so so part of this team that I thought that what well, that was such a big blow for them if they run up to, to the tournament. So the, the result against Saudi Arabia didn't change much. I would say going back to your like original question as well though, after if, whether Argentina could have whether we thought they would have won. Yeah. Uh, interesting to note obviously that Enzo Fernandez and Alexis McAllister both did not start that game against uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd probably say that no, I didn't think they would have won, but. Once those two started finding their feet in the team, I didn't think it was outside the realms of possibility. What, what I would say is, so first of all, I did a Q&A, as we mentioned on the last episode as well, with the Buenos Aires Times, mm-hmm. with a, an intern who, who's uh, working there at the moment. Who responds to me. Indeed, oh. yeah, who responds to Dan, but who couldn't do the Q&A with Dan because they needed somebody who doesn't work for the Buenos Aires Times to be the guest expert, uh, so did it with me instead. And I was asked who I thought was going to be my unheralded hero of the World Cup. And, again, if you've been listening to this podcast this year, this won't surprise you, but I said it's off and this. So, I now feel quite smug. I have one Um, question for Julian. The other thing, in response to what Chris just said, which is why I'm going to insist on saying this right now, is that if Enzo and Alexis, and also Julian Alvarez, hadn't got as much playing time Mm. as they did... It would have been because Leandro Paredes, um, Rodrigo de Paul, whoever else in midfield, and Lautaro Martinez had turned up and had just battered Saudi Arabia into submission. Like It would have been because those players had hit the ground running and actually there was no need to give them that time. So I was always expecting Enzo to maybe not force his way into the starting lineup, but to certainly be one of the first substitutions by the mm. end of the group stage to evolve into that, that role where he's, you know, when Paredes' legs are knackered. Scaloni's looking to end up to send him on. I was expecting him to be the starting number five in the World Cup mm. final. Mm. <laughs> and, that's... and then to boss it. Um, but, you know, still. Um, so, like, yes and no. I kind of feel like... I don't know whether the Saudi Arabia defeat necessarily was the kick up the arse that they needed. Because I'm not sure that they needed a kick up the arse. But... Well, I'll kick up the arm, but the just to get the ideas straight. Or, or more um, of a reality check. Like a shake of the head, yeah. yeah. Plus, you can go on a, a 43-game unbeaten streak. They were riding yeah. on such a high... They, they were bound to, mean, get, to get a you blow. You literally can't, as so football mm. history so just, far has told us. It's, it's think, done that. Uh, this but. isn't a listener question, but do you think that had they have beat or drawn with Saudi Arabia in the unbeaten run... Like was still the narrative. Do you think that they would would have that would have played a factor in their run to the final? Uh, absolutely. I, yeah. I, I don't know, but uh, what again to Sam's point and again to Scaloni's inexperience, would he have had such a quick trigger with Paredes? Had he not lost to Saudi Arabia, would he have such a quick trigger with uh, Lautaro Martinez? Had they won two one, a three two mm. after yeah. going down, you probably. Right with Paredes, right with uh, Lautaro Martinez. And we never see Enzo, we never see Julian, we never see Alexis. Yeah, I mean, we'll never know, obviously. But, I mean, personally, I think, I think there's a chance anyway. You know, if, if, if Alvarez doesn't come into the team, then it's because Martinez manages to stay on side for five fucking minutes against Saudi Arabia yeah, but, and then finishes the game with two goals and Argentina went 5 nil or something like that. But Argentina reached, I, I think, without Lo Celso and, and Gonzalez, 
with whom they played really good football. They reached another level that I don't think they could have reached had not Enzo and Julian entered the team. Mm. And the only way that Enzo and Julian would have entered the team and reached that level to that I think... Mm. I, I think my point basically is without Lo Celso and, and Nico Gonzalez and Argentina playing to the full capabilities, would they have been able to win this World Cup? I don't think so. I think they win this World Cup with Juliana, Alexis and, and Enzo on the team and for that to happen they had to have a, a shocking result. Yeah, And I think as well, if anything, it just made the task really, really simple for, uh, for Argentina. You had nothing like you saw in Brazil's last group game, France's last group game, you know, already qualified. Do we rest people? Do we kind of break up the rhythm? It was very simple for Argentina. Win six games and win the World Cup. Yeah. There was absolutely no hesitation about it. Six finals, six games. You've just reminded me that France lost their last group game. Uh, the, first, the first World Cup final since 1978, where both teams had lost a match previously in the tournament. I was very surprised by that, to be honest. Tagliafico yeah. spoke about that, that, that they went into the tournament, well, well this is the, the, the group stage, and from the second game on, once they lost to Saudi Arabia, it was, okay, these are finals. We just yeah. even, if, even if we win ugly, we win. Yeah. We we'll win. Yeah. I did yeah. have one question for Julian. It would have been for Santi as well, but yeah, he's gone. Uh, because we all know part of the World Cup, as much as who you play, it's who you don't play. What were your thoughts on that seemingly imminent Argentina-Brazil semi-final? And how happy were you? when it didn't come to pass because as a semi-neutral I think it would have been such a fantastic game but I don't know if Argentina could have gone through that war and then gone on to win the title as, as I don't know what you think. Fan, I wanted that so much but yeah. I want a disclaimer first I'm not a uh, biggest Argentina national, national team fan and I'm a fan I, I want them to win but I want them to, to play well I want them yeah. To put on a show. I mean, I demand much more of them than I demand from my club team, which I want to win at all costs. So uh, I guess the equivalent would be a Boca River in the Libertadores semis. No, I semis don't want final. a Boca River right. anywhere, and I would have wanted a Brazil <laughs> team. Yeah, absolutely. I, w- I wanted to yeah, yeah. to watch it again. I, I I had fun watching the 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 final in the Maracana, and I would have liked it. I, I as a matter of fact, I. I was relishing a final against uh, against France to just to watch the, the game against an, yeah. uh, this French team. <laughs> I much rather watch them than the Moroccan team. Yeah. Uh, so probably not the the best one to ask to to answer that. But I was you were going for, for Brazil. I was looking forward to it. I, I want the best. I want the best show to... Um, to well, I remember saying to you, Sam, at Dan's birthday here, just before the day before the World Cup, that I thought Brazil were going to win it, the whole thing. And so... And I yeah, from you. a Yes, you did. Um, and had they got through that penalty shootout, I feel like they might have gone on all the way. Um, yeah, I agree with you. As a spectacle, I think it would have been game of the tournament. But in terms of... Argentina no, getting uh, all the way. I, yeah. I think that's the game we uh, want to avoid uh, probably uh, more than I, England. I, honest, I thought at the time, and I continue to think, that that would have been an easier semi-final for Argentina than Croatia was. Maybe, but I Just think we can all... The right, psychology right. of having beaten them in Rio... Even though you're... Yeah, the stakes would have been so much higher. The margin for error for Argentina so much lower. It's a different kind of... We pressure. all live in Argentina. Yeah. Uh, I think that we can all speak with certainty that the... the 
the, my, the mo most people weren't. We would have yeah. taken the, the easiest path to the final. No, no, I mean, it would have been a final. Argentina-Brazil in the semi-final would have been the but, first. But given, given the chance... I'm saying this now with the complete certainty and the ultimate confidence of somebody who's on his third fennet and can't possibly be proved wrong about mm. what I'm saying. <laughs> but I, I, I also thought this when we recorded our last episode and we were looking towards the knockout rounds. I was, I was hoping for Brazil in the semis. Okay, maybe easier than the Croatia match turned out to be. It's a bit hyperbolic, but I'm, I I thought that if Argentina gets to the semis, Croatia's going to be a really edgy match, <laughs> and Brazil, I'd give Argentina the advantage in. There's uh, also the uh, I, you have to think into that after the the Netherlands game and, and all that went down there mm -hmm. and how how we all reacted to that game and how we uh, Argentina almost was on the brink of, of elimination. After that, I thought I think everyone here has thought well. Whatever happens, happens. Whatever happens, happens. We happens. have to play Brazil. Absolutely. Bring on Brazil. If you want, you want England in the final, bring on England. Uh, but I'm rooting always for the, the biggest match possible because as a neutral fan, mm. I'm not really a neutral fan. I want Argentina to win, but I want them to put on a show more yeah, than yeah, I want yeah, them sure. to win. You want to see the best games. You I want to see, see the best games. If, if there's one thing that this World Cup has taught us with the defeat to Saudi Arabia, is that maybe as an Argentina fan, you should also be rooting for the biggest match possible because they play Saudi Arabia. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and this team races, races to the occasion. They, they played lousy games against poor opposition and against the best teams, they, they just show their best, yeah. their, their best angle. Indeed. But uh, I think most Argentinians would have, would have likely, if possible, avoided Brazil. Yeah, but it would have been epic. Yeah, it it would have been so epic. Yeah. Uh, David Novoshevsky says, how did you all spend the day watching and celebrating? Uh, I, watched I mean, watching, celebrating, yeah. it's in the question <laughs> almost. I watched it with my girlfriend's family and then we jumped straight to the obelisk, well, as quick as we could because there was a lot of traffic and spent about two, three hours there singing, as I said before, many renditions of muchachos and then, um, yeah, came home and then she, like, she just crashed out. We had to walk home. I've never walked down Santa Fe before, um, I haven't either Santa Fe, but... Um, Last night was the first time, and then this morning got the bus to therapy. That same the the other direction where traffic was going the other way. So when you say you've never walked down it before, you mean you never walked down it on the road in the middle of in the, the middle of the oh, road okay, right. in the middle of the road. Sorry, yeah, I should have clarified that. <laughs> Dan uh, watched it here with uh, with Anna with Noel. Um, very uncomfortable. Also working at the same time. Uh, stuck around long enough for here to, to watch Messi lift the trophy because that was a moment I could not miss uh, for anything and then headed out just down the road here really to Scalabrini y Corrientes kind of was a mini celebration going along for those of us for whom the Obelisco might have been a little bit far out you can, um, you can tell Dan's girlfriend's family aren't from Bisha Crespo by the fact he calls it Scalabrini by the way I mean, just for ease of uh, Can ease of recognition. Um, the the boy conked out in the middle of the the celebrations about three o'clock or four o'clock. Came back here for a while, worked some more, went back out, more celebrations, a few more beers. Came back, something to eat finally because my stomach was pretty much closed the entire day. Um, interview with the BBC when I was very very close to collapse. And then collapsed. It was a good day. 
Not mid-interview, though. You didn't collapse mid-interview. I'm just about managed to keep my eyes open for the interview, but... That's good. Julian? Uh, I watched it with my family. I got off work at, uh, yeah, around 10 and got to my parents' house and there were my sisters, both of them, uh, my niece, my cousin and her two daughters. And yeah, we pretty much all watched them. My mom stayed at the yard without watching it because <laughs> apparently she hadn't watched one of the games and stayed at the yard. So oh, wow. the, she was just... Keep the Kabbalah going. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> she got no problems. She put took out a book and fed <laughs> it, but came on... Uh, Near the end of the... Don't tell me she came in for like to go into the toilet. No, With no. 80 minutes gone and then France got the two goals. She <laughs> just asked, uh, is it over? Can we eat now? And everybody said, no, just go away. <laughs> she just went away. Uh, it was a nice day. Then we went day. out to my... I'm from um, Don Torcuato, which is where Juan Roman Riquelme was born. Mm-hmm. And it's about 30 kilometers from the uh, here, uh, capital, si I want to say. So we went out to our town and people were in the streets uh, I didn't expect the the outpouring of celebration that we got I, I really really I, I do you remember I, 2014 I remember 2014 but I, I thought that this that, was, that was it magnitude I thought, I thought that, that, that was, was so it that, that people were celebrating even if we lost I didn't took I guess I I, I didn't put into perspective that how much bigger would it it, it would have been had we actually won yeah. Uh, and I said, well, um, we took it in stride, we lost, but uh, we celebrated nevertheless, so I guess this is it, but it, it really kind of shocked me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I stayed up, uh, I said to my parents, I had to come back here, I live in Recoleta, so I, can't, I got to come here, uh, I had to come back here, and I couldn't, just because the streets were so crowded with people, and I lived near the, the center of the city, so I had to wait, and... I ended up coming back here at 11.30, some that, and I just it stayed at my house. My yeah, we, we couldn't meet up with one of my girlfriend's friends because we were on one side of Avenida Triumvirato, and she was like a block the other side, and she was just like, I can't get across the avenue. There are just yeah. too many you just couldn't. Um, for me, my day, as it quite often does, started quite late, but I couldn't even dream about how I was going to get to sleep the night before. Um, so I made myself two Negronis and watched the whole, apologies for the crying in the background. That's just Dan. We have a Frenchman in the flat. Um, <laughs> How dare you, sir. <laughs> I've killed for less than that. Oh, bless him. Somebody's up past his, I, I, mean, I was going to say that, but he's actually definitely nowhere near up past his bedtime. <laughs> so I'm not sure what's going on. But anyway. Um, I poured myself one Negroni and watched the first half of the Netflix series about Argentina winning the Copa America last year, because my girlfriend was out with one of her mates. Uh, and then I poured myself another Negroni and watched the second half of that, and stayed up a bit longer after she went to bed while I finished the second Negroni. And it turns out that having an enormous amount of nerves in your stomach mm. and finishing your second Negroni at like five o'clock in the morning are not necessarily very conducive to having a really good night's sleep. Is that right? So I woke up before my alarm went off at about 11 o'clock, unable to be calm. So yeah, suffered through the match, because as the TV Publica commentators got in the habit of saying through the game, through the tournament, can't win without suffering. 
um, and then cooked lunch at about four o'clock in the afternoon, had a couple of milanesas and then went out to join the festivities on Trio Mirato y Olasabal, which is where I took the video that some of you would have seen on Twitter. Um, and then later that night I ended up watching, re-watching the game when they re-screened it again uh, while I was doing some other stuff. Uh, Pshemek says, was Scaloni lucky not to be punished by lack of substitutions, like putting Lisandro Martinez in like he did in previous games? I don't know about lucky, but I was interested by what Julian said once in a bit more detail when we had the microphone switched off and then once again in our second part, where it's almost like he was kind of burnt maybe by making them a little bit too early against the Netherlands mm. and was a bit yeah. shy about it. Mm. Um, but lucky, I mean, is it lucky to put together a team who are so together that they can come through from a set setbacks like that repeatedly through the tournament? Kind of. Yeah, I mean, you could say the reason that everyone puts so much focus on the fact Argentina, when they're leading, have these kind of wobbles, is that they led in every yeah. single game, and in, in all but one by by two goals, um, which is something I think any team at this World Cup did. Also, I think France had made uh, like four substitutions by the time Argentina had made. It was one. a completely different so, France thing. Like, yeah, you know, I think the context yeah. is everything. Yeah. Uh, Shemek also says, what would you have said if someone told you back in 2019 that Scaloni would win both the Copa America and the World Cup and that Di Maria would score in both finals? I, mean, I would have said would you're have said, absolutely insane. I would no have said, chance bitch, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. But, I'm not quite as street as Sam, but I'd use um, similar language. There's one thing I want to hang on my hat on is that I was always a Di Maria supporter even in his darkest times, I wasn't uh, such confidence mm -hmm. on, on Scaloni as anybody mm -hmm. did, but on the, on the Di Maria front, I, I thought he, he had something to give to, uh, the, the to interesting The interesting thing I think about Di Maria's kind of trajectory with the national team is that we always used to say about Fernando Gago, right, that it seemed like there was kind of a mental block there as well, where mm -hmm. you get sort of in injuries that are almost down to nerves in some way, Absolutely. in particularly big games, right? Not only for the national team, in Gago's case, but, but for Boca as well. And it's tremendously unfortunate. Um, I think even after uh, 2018, um, when obviously River fans kind of enjoying it as well to an extent, we all expressed disappointment and, and, and sympathy for Gago in that. And Di Maria, 2014, missed the World Cup final, you know, allegedly with emails going back and forth between Real Madrid and, and the AFA at the time as well. Because he ran himself silly against Belgium, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you sort of started to think, well, is this going to be the same thing? And now he's turned up and scored two of the, mo I mean, well, arguably the most important goal in Argentina's footballing history of the last 36 years anyway, because it was the one that broke the trophy drought last year. Mm -hmm. And now... Yeah, the mental aspect is something that I think it has to be talked about, uh, both Aymara and Samuel were part of the of Piesa squad that got out on the on the on the group stage at, at Korea and, and Japan. So I think they took head on that that whole pressure that and and Scaloni mentioned it in his press conference. It's not it's not the same play for Argentina as it is played for many other countries. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everyone has their own uh, their own particularities, but uh, Argentina, especially at the World Cups. Uh, and speaking about it, uh, I think it brought it to light and, and maybe lifted some of the of the those oh things 
kept unspoken uh, yeah. about them. And it, to the extent that I've already made the comment about how I think Brazil, or, or I thought before the knockout stages began that Brazil were potentially an easier opponent than Croatia, and it turned out actually the Croatia didn't turn out to be that difficult in the semi-finals. Apologies to our Croatian listeners. Um, but in the final, I think in some ways Morocco, had they got through the semi-final, would have been more dangerous opponents because Morocco would have turned up to the World Cup final with just if ever a team turned up with nothing to lose. Yeah, it was basically like, Saudi Arabia all over again. Exactly. With, you know, with maximum respect for Morocco and recognizing the huge golf quality with even, quality with even more pressure on Argentina yeah. and playing Morocco much just team. being like we've we've won it already. Yeah. I mean. And, and Morocco oh, it would have been so out, but so terrible that final. Um, anyway, Ronnie Mazunda says, "Tell us who are not in Buenos Aires about the crazy celebrations. What was going on? Oh, sorry, he's got various questions. So crazy celebrations. Uh, they were crazy. Yeah. They're, they're Think about everybody in the city jumping out of their apartment and then going and shouting and singing yeah. in the so street. I swear, the entire city was outdoors. No so, one." Yeah. And some estimation said there were two million people just on, in the Obelisco. Just around the Obelisco. The city of Buenos Aires has a population of like three point two million. Yeah. Obviously so, a lot of people that came from outside. Yeah. And climbing the, the And climbing the Obelisco. The Obelisco yeah. and everything you can yeah. you can like, climb. Just that video made me <laughs> <laughs> But what we should say, I don't think we mentioned it um thus far we mentioned it off record but not on record. It was crazy. But it was very wholesome, very respectful. Yeah. Putting two million people together and that the only real gripe is that a little bit of graffiti, lots of litter and public urination, as Chris has mentioned to me there was several times about the, uh, the smell yeah. of piss. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty decent balance for a completely unorganised celebration of that I have the question on everybody's lips... And in England, lips, it wouldn't have gone down like that. The, uh, it might not have gone down like that here if they lost. But the question on everybody's lips is, how is the McDonald's outside the Obelisk got looking? Uh, Since then, I think they're okay, but I think they're at a Big Macs. So, okay. Um, uh, Ronnie also says, what was going on when the French came back twice? Oh, so it's just generally about the celebrations. I mean, none of us watched in communal areas, so it's difficult to say. Yeah. But here, at least, I the three people in this flat, one of them was pretending to be a fireman running up and down, putting out imaginary fires, and the other two <laughs> were really having a bad I time. I think the general reaction was... And uh, now well, we're watching the match. Yes, so I was the fireman. I think by speaking with, with ours and, and, and just reliving our experiences, it was really, again, all this again. We're going yeah. to extra time, we're going to penalties, we're going to have to all the way. We're going to win. Just get it on with. I mean, I was saying throughout the second half, nah. Yeah. It can't be this easy. It can't be this easy. It's a trap. It's a trap. Something's going to happen. It sure cannot be this like easy. Uh, and Ronnie's final question. Finally, Argentina delivering on the biggest stage. Any insight into their mental strength? Who's working with the team? Do they have a mental coach is what he's asking. No. Well, Dibu Martinez's therapist is now a legend, although there is a fairly strong suspicion that this is a guy he's invented. In his head. Because the idea, the idea of an Argentine having a therapist is just too ridiculous I, to I, I, No, I, just the idea of him having a therapist and being so fucking mental still. To further that, <laughs> just before the penalty shootout I rewatched today, you, there is moments of him, you can see him going, vamos people, vamos people, vamos to, to himself. Yeah. So maybe that therapist 
is like you said. I wouldn't be surprised. No. I think about this by the way, for those who aren't aware and who uh, might have a di- bit of difficulty detecting irony in people's voices, uh, therapy is a very, very, very big thing here. Buenos Aires supposedly has more psychotherapists than New York. So I want to see a picture of Debo with his therapist, the diploma, <laughs> and today's newspaper. And the then I'll believe don't it. Don't forget the gold. It's not gold. just. Uh, a delusion. Don't forget the golden you. glove as well. We and the golden glove that. hanging off the cock. <laughs> I, I, I don't have the certainty that they work with a sports psychologist, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did because, again, the fact that Scaloni speaks so much openly about certain I, um, things and mm. themes that were usually not, do- not that talked about. And uh, he's... He's also, I, I read a, a, a sort of portrait of him in The Guardian uh, by Sid Lowe a few days ago. Um, and it, it Sid uh, clearly talked to Scaloni. I, I think there was an interview with him earlier on in the World Cup, actually, that he did as well. Um, but about how he, he got his like formation as, as a coach studying in Spain. And constantly, like all of the, the Spanish and Italian guys... Uh, who said quoted was saying Scaloni like of all of them was the one who most wanted to just stay behind after class and just debate tactics with us and talk about all of these different aspects of the game it was very obvious that he was going to be a coach and, 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 a, and a really really good one so yeah I mean he, he completely comes across as the kind of guy who does not leave stuff to chance mm. I mean it would astonish me if he's not got somebody on, on it the shocked definitely the someone there working with the players yeah. I would not be surprised at all yeah but it shocked me that he after his first or second press conference against um, I don't know if Saudi Arabia or Mexico that he mentioned yeah we could have failed and if mm. we failed we were out of the World Cup and it yeah. would have been a disaster and it would have been a disaster for us and it would have meant a whole lot more to us than it would have meant for any other team going out in the first mm. round of the World Cup. Oh, and, and everybody knew that and we had a, a lousy days in the lead up to the Mexico game and he just admitted that it was. Whereas someone else from maybe another country or someone, another Argentinian manager from another time might have not tackled on the, those issues straight on and yeah. not mentioned them. Yeah, which yeah. Uh, Conor Gallagher says, with the World Cup out of the way, can you please clarify the important matter of when Argentina are allowed to wear black shorts and when they have to wear white shorts? This was one of the... (laughs) (laughs) I knew Sam would be angry about this. I knew it. Argentina played France four years ago, the 2018 World Cup. Argentina were in dark shorts and France were in white shorts. Mm -hmm. And that is how national teams look better. Absolutely. This is admittedly not the first time that I have complained about this on Hand of Pod during World Cups. But what is FIFA's obsession with blo- bloody colours? Just put them both <laughs> in their first shirt. It would have looked They're so much nicer. They're called the tricolour. Give them three colours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you for raising the important question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm all for that. <laughs> and Connor, Connor also says, I was out in Palermo. Connor is a very, very, very long time listener, by the way. Dan, I don't know whether you recognise his name, but this is Jose Dolores says, who ah, has to be one of our longest standing Twitter question answers. Uh, I was out in Palermo. Connor, if you're in Buenos Aires, if you want to meet for a drink with me and Dan in Palermo sometime while you're here, then let us know. Uh, he said, and with Julian on the sound of it as well, and with Chris. Yeah, yeah, I'll be here. Uh, I was out in Palermo and later the Obelisco, and I only saw one Tevez shirt all day. Is the myth of the player of the people finally over? I think just people have brought new Argentina shirts in the last 10 years. Maybe, and also 
possibly realised he was never that good for Argentina. I will say, Anna watched the World Cup in um, Argentina Teva shirt with number 11 on the back. It's controversial. So, it's the only one we've got. What we're going to do. And Connor also says, can I send you guys some celebratory Fernet? Yes. Uh, if you want to find out Dan's address from him via private message, then get it delivered here and we'll use it in future episodes. Or I might drink or it before. Or just drink it before. Yeah. <laughs> real I have real no danger. doubt that that will happen. Um, Brody Sabor. I don't know whether that's a, a fake name or whether his actual surname is Sabor, but... It's Hungarian, If it's the latter, then that's excellent. Sabor. S-A-B-O-R. Like the Spanish word for taste. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, it says, who is the weak link of this team of world champions and why, Dan, plug your ears, is it Lautaro Martinez? Oh, bro. Oh. I thought now, we were going to be friends with that surname. One thing that I have been wanting to bring up Lautaro Martinez for all, champ- all, all championship tournament mm. um, is that before the competition, we were all in agreement, really, with Dan's um, assessment that he was, while not Argentina's best player, was arguably Argentina's only irreplaceable player. Mm-hmm. And it turns out we were wrong. Spectacularly wrong. <laughs> uh, I can't help feeling for him. Oh, I mean, I do as well. Possibly the unluckiest World Cup, while still ending up a winner, so I'm sure he doesn't give a damn. After the Netherlands match, I sent a message to the group that Seba, Racing fan Seba, misinterpreted as me slagging him off, and it was not intended that way. (laughs) But the tournament that he had, Mm. when Martinez made that save with a minute to go in, in extra time, and then the ball went up the other end, and the cross came in, while the cross was going in, I went to my girlfriend, he's going to fuck this. And he nodded it 10 yards wide. I mean, I just think that's n- been no, overblown a bit. And it's not, never it's not, more than a half chance. It's not that he was opinion. playing badly. It's just that it was the kind of tournament where, as you put it earlier in the tournament, he needed a ball to go in off his ass, And that mm-hmm. was going to be it. That's just it. No point it was so unlucky. Had he not got to the, the ball, yeah. and the ball hole over him yeah. Enzo yeah. Fernandez was just up there to tap it in he, yeah. so he, that's that's a part of Malaki he got that chance and, and still half played. chance at, at oh, best yeah, half yeah. chance at best but it prevented a better chance from Enzo Fernandez going back to the question and he had a not even a half chance a quarter chance absolutely which he converted into Joris giving yeah. the rebound which allowed Messi to score I would go further and going all the way back to the first match you know when you, when yeah. you talk about goals going off his ass okay the second one that he scored was like Six yards offside yeah. or something. But the first, the first one, one was yeah. the seam of his shirt. I mean, yeah. I mean, if he starts his yeah. run that much later, mm-hmm. exactly the same thing happens and the goal counts. And Alfaro mm-hmm. Martinez is off and running. Argentina win the match comfortably. In in his defence, uh, he did hit the pressure penalty against the Netherlands. Absolutely, yeah, through. Yeah. And also uh, the third goal yesterday, he played a little bit of a kind of integral role in making sure that Messi got Completely integral role. So, like, Absolutely just because he didn't find the back of the net, like, yeah. I still think, and, like, you know, I completely agree, he had one of the most unlucky World Cups in front of goal ever, but, like, I don't I'm, think he's spent and I don't think he was the weak link no, of the team. I'd even go further, to be honest. His entry in that game with Julian completely... Tabs. Yesterday, oh, he was a great sub. It changed the game because he Absolutely. saw the last 10 minutes against France. France all over and pouring forward. Lautaro comes in, starts doing what Lautaro always does, which is get into really, really good positions. Force the entire France team back. They could not go on the attack for almost the entirety of extra time because they knew Lautaro was there. He wasn't taking his chances. 
He was unlucky, to be fair, yesterday, and because really, two of them were just picked off his shoe, his boot, almost by brilliant defensive interventions. But he got into the position to have the chance. And he made France go back again. Absolutely. It took yeah. all the pressure off Argentina. That extra time, that half an hour, would have developed in a completely different way without Lautaro on the field. But it goes back to the first question. Would Argentina would have won the, the, the championship mm. had Lautaro had a great run? Because by definition, if Alvarez doesn't get in the team, it's because Lautaro's scoring the goals. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't think it affects it that much. I, I think that what did happen was that people maybe looked at it, people who weren't in this room before the tournament, were maybe looking at it and thinking, I, I don't know how much, how much depth Argentina have got. And it turns mm. out Argentina have got some depth because it turns out that actually, you know, Argentina does produce some decent football. But it has to be said about him that he took his... Uh, He's losing the starting spot in stride. Oh, yeah. And he was a squad player throughout the tournament. Mm -hmm. And he was with his teammates all along. And he, when he was called upon, he came on and he got the chances mm -hmm. and still yeah. played it. And I think if you gave him uh, a redo on all this, he probably take the, 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 the starring role over what he got. But he was, he's a champion and, and, yeah. and yeah. he was one of the... the you give him a choice between starring role, but you don't mm -hmm. win the World Cup. Um, what happened, and I'm sure he'd take what happened. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't, like you said, he didn't, and not, he didn't I, throw a strop. You know? I'd go even further. Oh. I think in that inevitable date where Messi decides he doesn't want to um, go on any longer, Lautaro and Julian, that has all the makings of a Absolutely. really, really good forward partnership. And he had the, it's got everything, really. And he had every right to, to uh, throw a fit for, yeah. for not starting a, a no. second or third game like and being benched. I'm... I'm Top goal scorer of this of this team throughout Correct. the whole Scaloni era. Mm. Santi is going to be um, proud to have his name on indeed. that Independiente indeed. shirt. Indeed, he should. Proud and proud, proud as punch. And if he's not, he can always just tell people he meant Lisandro Martinez and got the number wrong. That's yeah. fine. Sure. Um, Liam Delaney says, "Does Scaloni continue with the national team, or does he bow out at the top and try to get a big job in club football on the back of this triumph while his stock is high?" He's, He's going to continue, carry on. Liam. Yeah. I mean, that's an easy one. Easy. The Escaloneta only has one driver. Yes. Uh, and it, why would you want to take the gap? I mean, should he? In some ways, right? Why I mean, Escaloneta is like a Beckenbauer. He's like these guys you can't imagine in any other job than yeah. um, the, the one Where they which they won the oh, World yeah. Cup. Should he? And I think it just proves as well, though, that, that being the right manager for a job is, is has a lot to do with just. Good luck. With, with Being the right place at the right timing. time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, coming the right group of players yeah. coming together before, at the right time. Before we came on, we were talking amongst us about um, going on a high note. This is the highest note. This is... Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And I so he should should well, say yes, yeah. but the difference between we were talking we were talking about Messi in that regard, whereas Scaloni yeah, is still quite young right. in his he's at the very his, very start in, of in his Argentina but, managerial career. But mentioning Messi is also why I think he's definitely staying because Messi said quite soon after full time that he's not retiring from international football yet. He wants to play at least a few games as a world champion, enjoy himself. Mm -hmm. He didn't say it, but I'm going to say it. He's going to get to 100 international goals. He's on 98 at the moment. Yeah. Come on, let's do it. And he takes one friendly against Nicaragua in front of a full Monumental. What's that? There's a Because uh, they're not going to play in the Monumental one. Yeah. That's president. No. Speaking of Fury, there's someone who retired who just had um, like 199 or, or something like that. And you just go, how come you've not 
played one more game, one more <laughs> goal. I, it, it just, I've lost yeah. it in my mind right now. Um, but uh, speaking of Scaloni, if he goes out now, he gets a second chance no matter what. Uh, after, I don't know, one, two, three, four managers, he will always be mentioned as Ben Back Scaloni. Yeah, yeah. If he stays, he has a chance that all this goodwill that he got, all this that absolutely he's unanimously loved, may go away. But now, no, no, if, he, if, he, if he leaves and he comes back in a couple of years' time, he's got to start again with a, mm. you know, a slight no, I think that's a bigger danger. If he stays now, carrying on and just seeing the difference. But like, also, like, you, like, pardon the pun, but like now the goalposts have changed. He's won the World Cup and yeah, he's absolutely. won the Copa America, he's won the Finalisma, but now the goalposts are... Can you defend those those trophies but and victories? On the one hand, yes, but on the other, it, it takes so much pressure mm. off that he's won that stuff already. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, like he's he's earned all this goodwill. Yeah, it's I, a lot a, a lot like Gashardo at River for so long, right? Like, okay, he took bloody ages to win the league, <laughs> but also like if ever anybody's earned, I think the to carry on trying to do it. It speaks to the. It will speak to the how he views his himself. Yeah. I've always the the example of uh, Boca Bataglia. He won two tournaments. He could have walked out a, a champion, mm. and probably after a bad manager, six months and a year, he would have been mentioned as a, a future candidate to be Boca's manager. Mm. And yet he stayed, and it all ended really, really, really bad for him. And now. Do you see him coming back in any form to Boca? Probably not. I don't think that much about Boca. So, so the, but, but if you, uh, here's my point. If you got so much confidence in yourself that I'm, a, I'm such a good manager that I can, I can stay, even endure uh, a bad spell and still be mentioned as a future national team coach. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you don't think so much of yourself, you say, well, this is my chance. I just have got to have to ride with it, and if it goes sour, it goes sour. Yeah. Ah. And then yeah. the the other thing though is just again tying it back to, to what Messi said. Messi's not retiring yet, and when Scaloni was asked about that, Scaloni in his post match press conference says, "We're going to reserve a place for him in the next World Cup squad in three and a half years time anyway." And that to me, okay, a sure you've got to say that right, like. Even if for some reason Scaloni and Messi never got on and absolutely hate each other's guts, he's still got to say that. But B, that clearly is not the case, and it suggests to me that Scaloni, in his own mind in that moment, is thinking, I'm still going to be in charge of 20 Yes, yeah, and on that regard, Messi is playing on, but he. I, I personally, I think Messi's going to play the 2026 World Cup. So do I. So do I. Yeah, I can't see it. But I, I, think, I, I think he's going to play the next Copa America for sure. Possibly. And I think that they will. Uh, but I think Messi ask will want. And I, I, if he wants to, he's there. And Messi will want Scaloni to be his manager, yeah. and that seals the deal. Uh, Jamie Ralph says it's likely been overshadowed by the victory in the celebrations, but has the media there said much about Messi being forced to wear a cloak when collecting the trophy? What was your reaction to such a special moment becoming preposterous? I would say, I would. My reaction to it when it happened was also preposterous, but having read up a bit about it, it seems to me to have been one of the very few things about this World Cup that's actually a sincere uh, gesture mm. and that the organising committee, the, the Qatari side of the organising committee, maybe shat the bed a bit by not explaining to people beforehand what it was about mm. and that it was going to happen because it seemed a bit like it was being hijacked at the time. Um, 
as my stance on this World Cup was stated at the very top of the episode and has been several times before now anyway in previous episodes um, it's a pity that the photographs of the trophy presentation were, are going to be you know, forever reminding us of where Messi won this World Cup and by association for those of us who are old enough to remember it in 20 years time under what circumstances he won it but preposterous is a bit of a stretch like I mean there are photographs of Pelé parading the World Cup around the Mar- uh, around the Azteca in 1970 wearing a massive sombrero and like yeah. is, is that like really any less ridiculous kind of it's the same I think you know. also like you can kind of moments before he was draped in that cloak was Martinez humping the golden <laughs> that he was going to so like you what, know. sorry <laughs> what, what Emiliano Martinez was doing there was a very important statement on alternative sexuality Absolutely. in a country where yeah, and it's right. between Absolutely. him and his I'm with you Sam the outreach came because we, we just didn't know once you got the the, the explanation it, it makes sense and, and it kind of gives a, another, another meaning to it uh, what I do regret is that we didn't have the the overflowing joyous images of Messi. Well, we kind yeah, of got some of them. Yeah, we did, uh, we did. On the on the goalposts with Lautaro and yeah, such, but, but the, the stands are, are empty, and uh, I just wanted the uh, his image. That I guess once Argentina, uh, I spoke about uh, my feelings where 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 Argentina were being crown champions. Uh, I just couldn't help but think about Maradona and, the, um, and how he would have felt at this moment and I thought that overflowing joy was missing uh, at Qatar. I, th- I think that there are like uh, pictures after it of like the players holding Messi like with the World Cup or trophy and yeah. it's very kind of, um, I forget the word, but like... Uh, it looks exactly the same kind of photo. Oh, yes. like, now, some of those like, photos are absolutely the, compo- the, the photo- photographer trying to get the same composition. Exactly, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, minus the people in the stands. And, and, that, think... and that dates the picture, just as you said about the yeah. cloak. Uh, in any other place, in any other World Cup, people wouldn't have left the stands once the trophy presentation came on. And no, yet no. you've got a, a, an empty stadium which just reminds you of 20 years from now, mm. those of us who witnessed it, which, uh, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, the, the stands are empty. And to, yet you, to, to Nahuel, it's not going to make a difference, but uh, to us, it's going to make And yet difference. you look at the, the Azteca pictures and you see Diego being lifted by his teammates or by whoever was on the pitch at that, man, and that time, and the stands were packed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the, the thing that, that was missing for me, regardless of the f- fact that we got to see them juxtaposed with the, the streets overflowing with people. I think that those two things should have been mixed somehow, but... Yeah, well, we've lost them. Tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, that's, ah, that's, my, hope. that's my hope. Uh, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says recovered from yesterday. Yeah, fortunately, the game was early enough in the day that I don't think anybody turned up here with a hangover. Uh, the World Cup of the two Lionels, a fantastic achievement given how the first game went and deserved winners. Obvious question, but with Messi not retiring yet, is there hope he'll make 2026 or at least Copa America 2024? Oh, okay. Well, I think we. And who was the unsung hero in the squad? Liam, thank you for asking me again. I said it before the <laughs> tournament. I'm going to say it again. Enzo Fernandez. If anybody wants to argue with me, then please do. I don't know about unsung. He was fairly sung considering he got the young player of the tournament award and whatnot. Yeah, no, I think he was before the tournament, though, because obviously afterwards everyone's going to be going. Yeah, to if you want to go for a surprise uh, revelation, I'll go for it. 
don't know if he's particularly... Ansan, maybe I'd err towards uh, Acuna, perhaps, mm. Otamendi. Yeah. Um, I mean, Otamendi, maybe by giving away the first penalty and <laughs> getting some Mbappe. As we said, it's Otamendi. Yeah, they're not, not on Sang. Even Julian Alvarez wasn't a, a star, you could say, no. for goals. But he's not on Sang. The other thing is that asking us is another matter because obviously we follow Argentine football that much more closely than like to mm. us. It was obvious that Enzo Fernandez is perfectly capable of having a, a great... Perhaps none of us would have predicted it being quite as good as it was. But like none of us were surprised. Yeah, but another development right that, that uh, took place during the World Cup was that... Uh, uh, going in, some people were very pro Enzo, even uh, mostly real fans, and they got some some opposition from, from another other team fans like Boga fans and such. And once the the games went on, it was just yeah, Alexis play for Boca, we love you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Enzo, you play for River, who cares? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, and yeah. that communion took place, and uh, maybe Alexis maybe actually. Relatively unsung as well. I mean, he didn't win any Alexis, awards, baby. but he was just minimum seven out of ten in every single match. Oh, yeah. absolutely! Yeah, he was, absolutely. It was super. Alexis may be the the correct choice for that. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence Hart says, "Is Martinez's goalkeeping the real game changer for Argentina to have a real first first keeper giving Argentina that extra dimension?" I mean, Emiliano Martinez was. They interviewed him right after the final, and he was audibly pissed off about the fact that he had conceded so many goals three in the shitty goals right was um, in, in the match and the reaction to the final yeah um, and yet when they really needed him mm. against Australia and against France in those crucial late moments he made basically the two saves that he made outside of shootouts the entire tournament mm -hmm. um, there is an argument to say yes uh, with look who were the alternatives with Franco Armani in goal Argentina would not have won that World Cup. Probably, I, 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 Probably. You never know, but I feel pretty confident in But I, I think goal, in number one spot wasn't one of Argentina's weaknesses. No, exactly. In, in, other, in other World Cups, well, uh, San Paoli excluded because he 2018 started, when wasn't goal. He started Willy Caballero. Of course and, he did, yeah. Of course. Um, but uh, going back to 2014, uh, Chiquito Romero had a great World Cup. In fact, mm. he's He's still mentioned today because of that, that tournament, so mm. it wasn't really what we were missing. Uh, nevertheless, mm. Martino... It was, it was what you were missing in 2018, yeah, because Romero sure. should still have been in goal in 2018, <laughs> and Sam Pauli... We'll not come back to this, Sam. Sam. No. It's been four and a half years, no, please. Let it go. <laughs> for some Pauli to come in and be like, this guy's not playing a club level, he can't play. He played perfectly well at a club. <laughs> it's gone, we're champions. Anyway, anyway yes, in short... Yeah, Martinez clearly made a big difference yes. to the yeah. group as well as to, I mean, you know, again, Romero was a huge part of the group as well, and that was why um, Sabella trusted him. Well, you mentioned it. But um, far more than Caballero and, and Armani did as, as main strikers. And it's a safe net. Once you go into into the extra time and you think, well, if we got the penalties, we got the best one. We're fine. We've got the nuclear bomb. Uh, Peter Strum says, I actually have two questions. First up, how expensive will it be to buy Enzo Fernandez after this tournament? His buyout clause is 150 million euros, and if I were Benfica's person in charge of transfers, especially considering they're still in the Champions League, I would be asking for every centavo of that. Uh, sorry, centime, because that's what Spaniards call euro centavos, apparently. And 
Uh, oh, and uh, Peter's second question was, second question, have AFA already decided that three teams will go down in 2023? Peter, what are you asking domestically? No one cares. <laughs> no one cares about... Um, there's right? a clear sentiment that Chiquita can do whatever he wants now, yeah. so... Oh, Christ, yeah. 70 team Primera División coming your way we in might 70? Why not get more ambitious? One on a hundred, Dan. Fine. Let's bring it on, bring it on. Uh, the man can do whatever he feels like. We will, of course, be back with our domestic coverage non-award-winning domestic coverage uh, at some point in the new year. But we're not going to answer that right now, Peter. Sorry. And Gaucho Dosse, or possibly Gaucho 12, says... <laughs> I think this one's for you, Dan. Can Changuito Ceballos make the squad for 2026? Can we Chang? I mean, Why the question on everybody's lips. Why would it be for me? Is this not a racing player? No, it's Sebastian. a player. No, he's a vocal player. Is he I, I really hope so. Oh, I'm getting my nicknames mixed up. Changuito Carinas was the guy who scored for Racing in yes. 67 and then died recently. You're correct. I don't think he will get there. Have a gold star. I really know. hope so. If he does, I don't like to be It's being dead is a significant disadvantage. Yeah. So, sorry, right. Julian, can Changuito Sebastian make the score? I really hope so. If he does, I'll be the happiest man in probably in Argentina. And Tommy Ravioli. Perfect, Tommy, to his friends, says, how busy are hospitals going to be around the 18th of September 2023? I mean, that depends on how many people had enough energy to get down to that kind of action. It was a long walk back from the obelisk, so I doubt it. (laughs) Yeah, most people... If you wanted something to break up the walk, a bit of... And most people drank too much. Oh, okay, yeah. I think we all drank too much. Not that 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 long. You're you're just an advocate, yeah. Yes, yeah. Heat plus walking plus Alcohol, drinking, uh, yeah. it's not really conducive to many babies in uh, September uh, this I year. Don't know. I don't know. I think, yeah, we could be in for a lot of Enzos, Lionelas. Lionelas. Yeah, I, I saw one tweet that was. Uh, Enzas. Scalanetas. Like, Juliana. I saw one tweet that was something like in 2032, a teacher reading out the, the register at the start of class being like, Lionel, Lionel, Lionel. <laughs> Julian, Enzo, Leonela, Leonela, Enzo. <laughs> um, anyway, those are all of the listeners' questions for today. Uh, this has been a very, very long episode very. indeed. But again, what did you expect? Argentina have won the World Cup. And you know one thing we haven't talked about? The question on so many people's lips outside Argentina. The goat. The goat. To end on this note, is Cristiano Ronaldo the greatest player of all time? Is Lionel Messi perhaps a slightly better candidate for the title? Arguably. Arguably. I strongly argue. I would argue, uh, in fact I would just state that my career as a football expert uh, was not much of a career. It didn't really go as I might have dreamed when I was writing about it. Uh, But I did say many, many, many times that it was ridiculous to talk about a greatest of all time in a team sport where standards across eras differ so widely and where roles and uh, the things that are asked of people differ so massively from one position to another on a pitch. But after that World Cup, for now, right now, just in this moment, even if in a week's time when club football gets back together again, it doesn't really matter. Of course he fucking is. I, I think unless your name's Piers Morgan or Madridista five five six seven eight two three one nine four, RM at Madrid, uh, this debate's over. It cannot be a serious debate. 
I think Messi is the best player ever. I, I wasn't alive to see Pelé and Maradona at the World Cup. But I don't think I've ever seen a more complete performance from such a player I than think this World Cup. I think at the age of 35. 35. Eight, and not just at the World Cup as well, because in 2022, which is the calendar year that's about to end, he scored 18 goals for Argentina. And I had to look through a whole bunch of the most likely candidates to you know, have scored more than that in a calendar mm. year um, earlier today. Jus Fontaine in 1958 when he scored 13 goals at the World Cup scored 18 goals in 1958 as in the calendar year um, one of the Hungarian guys who got absolutely fucked loads got like 23 in 1952 or something um, but apart from that no. nobody else came I mean Pelé's highest I think I have to say like 11 in the calendar year uh, I have to say being an Argentinian Argentine uh, that Messi is the best player ever as a football player but for us as a country, I think he are never equal what Diego was to us. Right. Uh, and he, and it's unfair to ask him to, to be, because Diego was so much more than a, than a football player. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly this World Cup, he may have come as close as he'll ever come, but I, I, I still think that Diego is, transcends what, is more than a football player. It's, it's an interesting thing, and f- f- partly for that reason, partly because there's that little bit that, that is outside football. Yeah, he's... I think <coughs> we're going to have a better handle on this in like 10 or 20 years' time. And absolutely, after and, retired. and I think in 20, 10 or 20 years' time, 15, after he's retired, he will be remembered yeah. as the best player ever, but Diego is, uh, is, is something else, mm-hmm. it's beyond that. Uh, he was also it's a football player. Yeah. He it's also was a football player. Little. Yeah, he was. He, it's um, speak to, to speak about Diego as just a football player is, is doing a disservice mm. to Diego. He he was so much more to, to the whole uh, thread of the country. Of, mm. uh, and Leo, uh, because of the times, uh, probably if he was born in and uh, no, nineteen seventy, he would have been. But. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's modern stars, modern stars, Gerard, uh, just modern stars, just. Yeah. I was that. pondering this a bit earlier uh, in an article I was writing. I kind of put together my Argentine spot in Pantheon. Uh, I'd be interested to say if if I missed anyone out, I'm very very sorry. Uh, Maradona, Fangio, Monson, Di Stefano, and now Messi. Yeah, and the and maybe, and you're gonna, you, you're gonna. Maybe, maybe, that, that, but that box Messi's is definitely in there. But that, that, <laughs> that just reinforces my point. Uh, they all have sporting merits, mm-hmm. and Diego has them all. And maybe he, I know, shone brightest that all of them in a very specific moment. It was for a short time, and probably that's why Messi is the best player of all time. But Diego. It's so much more than what he did uh, mm. as a sportsman. It's the timing as well, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. It's the first World Cup after the return of democracy. And and what he means to the people. Uh, I don't... Maybe Leo can mean that to some of the kids out there. But he's... I, I don't think that... I don't think that he has the, the chance by being just a modern superstar. Uh, and, and being a, a brand ambassador. Maradona was never a brand ambassador. Mm-hmm. He will never be. He was more than that, and the debate about who's the greatest player, I've always been an advocate that, to say that Messi was the best mm-hmm. 
football player because he just is. He's just a modern player is better than a, an antique player. It's just the the evolution of, of the sport. But he was more than, than a sportsman. Well, that's why we use the word great rather than best necessarily, isn't it? It's the, 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 there's something in yeah. there about how much you advance the sport rather than necessarily yeah, uh, who is the best and who is the greatest. Like, I mean, clearly Pelé is a is a better footballer than Arthur Friedenreich, who scored mm. a thousand goals in the 1910s. <laughs> but in his moment, Friedenreich was every bit as great for Brazilian. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, a friend of mine had the had the perfect words yesterday and said. Argentina have won the World Cup, and all I can think of is how Diego would have reacted. And he's <laughs> he's not a player. He's not part of the team. He's dead. Yeah. I don't think anyone will be saying, "Oh, imagine." Well, first of all, I think yesterday's final would have killed him. Yeah. <laughs> Most probably, but uh, he was missing there, uh, and we all thought um, after every Argentinian goal, after every goal from Messi, it was cut to Diego. And how would have he celebrated? Was he alone? Would have he died to the pitch? And hypotheticals. Messi dies in 50 years. Argentina win the World Cup in 80 years. Will anyone be saying, oh, how would Messi be reacting yeah. yes, to that? Yes, yeah, they would. Because, well, definitely. Now, well, in 50 years' time, he's going to be yeah. 53, mm. or I don't know, mm. well, 53, 54. And he's going to be the one saying, oh, how would he? So yeah, no, it's, it's partly down to generations as well. It's partly yeah, absolutely. But um, I think for us, Argent, uh, being born here, uh, the the debate about the the greatest player ever was never about well, a player, just literary player, Messi. Yeah. But um, more than player and transcend figure, transcendental figure, Diego was always one step ahead. And I think it's a disservice to ask the question. Thank you for that answer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was hoping for some uh, debate and conversation about that. So after two, well, three really, because I, I answered myself quite shortly as well. Uh, so thank you, Julia. That was great stuff. Um, on that note, I think it's time to call it a day. Oh, there's one piece of trivia I've forgotten. No, surely not. Which is that officially now, Gabriel Batistuta has joined a very, very exclusive club. He's one of... I think like five players who have scored double figures at a Men's World Cup and are not their country's top scorer at the Men's World Cup, thanks to Messi's 13. And again, just thinking back to the start of the tournament when Messi was on six World Cup goals, none in the knockout stages. <laughs> and what a tournament. What a tournament. Um, yes. What a tournament. Just, yeah. Congratulations. If you're an Argentine listener, massive congratulations. If you're just a fan of Argentina from another country, big congratulations as well. If you're from Bangladesh, massive congratulations. And I imagine that you've seen it on Twitter already, but there have been lots of Bangladeshi flags uh, flown around the city of Buenos Aires uh, in the last, not even 24 now, like 36 hours since the, uh, the match ended. Uh, which, again, I'm mentioning this because it made me remember just before the tournament started when all the English media started going out with all, uh, there were Argentine and Brazilian fans who were claiming like they're from India and Bangladesh and oh, <laughs> Quattro paying them to come in and stuff and, yeah. and some of us were saying no, these guys were around in the Copa America like, you know, they, they've been around for ages we get them on our local news every time um, so Bangladeshi flags were being flown next to the Obelisco outside Teatro, on the balcony of Teatro Colón in fact, uh, yesterday so congratulations there as well uh, for now, let's all enjoy being world champions.
for three and a half years. Absolutely. Until the next one, when England will win it, obviously, yeah. inevitably, now that the O'Neill's not there anymore. Probably not. But anyway, um, goodbye. Give yourselves a pat on the back. Enjoy. And thank you very much for listening from Chris. Thanks so much for having me, Sam. From English Dan. Goodbye. From Julian. Pleasure. And from me. Thank you. Well done on getting this far through a very long episode indeed. And goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>